Does everybody know what time it is? Time for the Season 6 Super Spectacular! Live! That's right, it's grunt work. been told of Marks and Brads of old, but there's no Cleveland now. All the cars that were stole or crashed somehow don't seem to matter very much anymore. All the lies Randy told, all the little lies of Taylor's running round, their toolmen got burned. Oh, I see the change, but inside, they're the same as they ever were. Watching lots of tool time, tell me now, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to quit talk singing and get on with the show because this is grunt work. The only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that takes a little time every season to sit back and just reflect on everything that we've gone through together. I'm your host, Truman, the Look at Us, man caps. And with me as always is my co-host, Landon, the Look How Far We've Come, man Solano. Uh, This... (laughs) Um... That had a ring of true apocalypse. Yes, uh, you're, you're opening there. Um, that's my. And I don't know. That's my rapper name is True Apocalypse. By the way, <laughs> I don't know if there is a certain energy you're bringing. Uh, are you are you saying we're, we're going to burn this motherfucker down? I'm not uh, s- moving forward, or, or what's what's going on here? Oh well, listen. Why, why why the why the end of the world energy? Look, well, well, uh, the reason that I chose the Kinks' uh, 1985 uh, song "Living on a Thin Line." is, I think, first and foremost, because I realized that watching lots of Tool Time matches up with the chorus living on a thin line. So that was my first instinct. (laughs) Okay. But then also, because the show takes a very wistful look back at seemingly the endless sweep of English history and then kind of looks at the present modern Thatcher, modern Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher modern era that they were in and kind of says, what the hell's going on? I think in this episode, we too are looking back at season six, which seems to have lasted for as long as England was a country, um, and saying, look at us, look where we are now. This is a very reflective episode, and that is a very reflective song. Uh, I'm not entirely sure whether or not you did the same exact bit last season for our Super Spectacular, because that also lasted for a year. Uh, season five took one year through no fault of our own. The world just kind of crumbled uh, under our feet. And then season six, Excuses. we made a... a forward effort to slow things down a little bit and yet it still took one year so uh, that one was our fault and uh it's almost a year to the day that we started season six i I saw that when i was looking over the episodes of season six of home improvement in preparation for this episode (laughs) i was looking at the first i like i looked at the first episode of season six of home improvement and saw that it was at sea and i had to sit for a second and be like the fuck was that? Did we watch that? Was there a yeah. an aircraft carrier or some shit? Because it felt like so long ago. And I agree. My I want to take credit for this awful idea. It was my idea to go every other week with grunt work for the first half of the season, which I attribute uh, to, I don't know, feelings of general apathy, what with the whole pandemic and everything. And like, ah, I, I can't get off my ass to podcast because look how hard I'm, I'm stressing myself out. I'm standing up. I'm I mean, holding I know- the mic. You are technically off your ass to podcast right now, uh, which should be a bumper sticker, by the way. But um, technically, you don't. I mean, that's the whole point of podcasting is that you can do it on your ass. I, I know. I mean, I, I don't even think there are a lot of sports outside of maybe chess that you can uh, play on your ass. 
Um, I mean, well, I guess like uh, Paralympic Games basketball or something like that. But that, well, that saying doing okay, it on your was, but that you like want to go there with it. Well, no, but that suggests that what they're doing is not incredibly difficult yeah. and athletic. That their thing is way right. harder than podcasting. And I'm not for a second suggesting that we are <laughs> we are on that level. I can't even play. I, right. I can't even play basketball with full use of my legs. I could not. I do turn it you to the documentary Murder Ball. <laughs> I thought that that was a sequel to the movie Rollerball, the the movie that got <laughs> director uh, uh, John McTiernan famously sent to federal prison. Um, yeah, but it's been a long it's been a long season. I, it has, even though it was as long as the other ones. I feel like as I look back at it, it feels like <clears throat> so much has happened in our lives while watching yep. the show, and also so little has happened. So I don't know if it's been a long it's, season. Or it's short a one. weird benchmark for me because uh, longtime listeners will remember I between season five and six moved to Madison. So uh, this has been an interesting earmark for me in that I've lived here now for one year. Uh, it's been Woo! one year since we've seen each other in person. It's uh, I don't know. It's a little Woo! bittersweet. Yeah. I, I first thing I would say is that. Longtime listeners slash at least one year and a day listeners will 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 pick up on that or will know that that tidbit. But um, yeah, it has been. It is a weird. It is weird thinking about how the majority of this show was the two of us sitting in the same room, looking at each other and talking to each other. And quite honestly, most of the time we record over the phone. This is the first time I've actually looked at you and and seen you reacting to me in real time. Which I think is also encouraging. Except me to for do. the last two live shows that we did. Well, yeah, I know you're right, but that one was. But also, how long ago was the last live show that we did? I don't know. I, I know think it was, it was in April. This season. I think it was in April. It feels like a long time ago, but it also feels uh, like no time at all. Well, I want to. Okay, I want to get down to business here because we got a long show ahead of us. Oh But yes. I do want to point something out in terms of uh, something you said, which was you were looking back, and um, one of the things I wanted and had started to put together as a game for this uh, this Ooh, super spectacular a was a memory game oh, for you. But then I realized as I was putting the rest of the spectacular together, I'm like, oh, but he has to go through and look at all of the different episodes and choose his favorite character actor and all this stuff. So there's not going to be a way for me to uh, try to test your memory to say, you know, was this episode this season or season five or season four? Because uh, you'd have to review them all. If you would, so. if, yeah, you know, if, if I had not done my homework for this, which I, I I'm oftentimes with this podcast do not do as much homework as I should, but for this one, I'm uniquely <laughs> well, uh, well prepared for it. Although you could yep. still, you could still probably slip one in and I'd think maybe I missed that on the Wikipedia page. Who knows? <laughs> um. Anyway, let's, let's get into like the specifics. So, Season six of Home Improvement, What? Uh, how do you feel about it, uh, both as a season as a whole, as well as, you know, where it fits into the series? <sighs> Landon, I'm so glad you asked me that. That's such that's such a good question. It was just right off the cuff. I, I, I mean, it's just like it came to me and thought I should ask you. This is like this is like if Terry Gross hosted a podcast <laughs> about Home Improvement. Um I think that this is the season when I fell in love with Home Improvement. I think this is how mm. Truman got his groove back for Home Improvement because I'm assuming Stella falls in love in that movie, but I all I know is that based on the VHS box art, she seems very happy. I <laughs> yeah, this is the season that I looked at. Um, I looked at Home Improvement kind of as like, oh wow, I'm actually actively enjoying this episode in a way that I haven't before. Like it's not that again, I never. 
it's never like I've hated the show, but this is a time when I've yeah. finally been like, oh, wow, I actually am kind of looking forward to watching the next episode. I have reasonable hope that it will be surprising and interesting and really good. And it, it yeah. has been. I think this, ep- this has been the strongest season so far. Do, do I you totally agree with you? Yeah, me? no, I, I agree with you. I'm I think glad. it was early this season that we both stated, or I know I at least stated that there was a moment with Randy where he was uh, getting ready to go out with someone that we hadn't heard of before. And I kind of felt this protective feeling of like, Oh, where are you going? You know, (laughs) why give, give us this information. Like, uh, and it was the moment where I'm like, Oh, this feels like family. Yeah. Um, yes. And I think that that was, as I look back on it now, informative to some of my more, um, reactionary moments, more, more of your, more of your cry moments. (laughs) Well, those yes for sure but I, I would even go to some of my like more you know frustrated moments ah, yes. uh, to put it lightly your your papa bear um, moments my pop well, yeah i'm well, sorry your your papa a uh, uh, different animal your papa thank iguana you, thank you. moments yes you're not you you're not scared of iguanas are you there. yes i should have uh, no you don't seem enthusiastic I mean, I, I about them what's an animal you like <laughs> kind of neutral on iguanas and other lizards they're fine I guess I've, I've I've never met someone with a super strong opinion on iguanas or other lizards, except for I guess. the people that own them. Yeah, well, yeah. You see a guy with an iguana sitting on his shoulder at a at a country fair, you know yep. his opinion on iguanas. He either <laughs> loves them enough to let it ride around on him, or he hates it because that thing is attacking him or controlling him telepathically. <laughs> There's no middle ground for those guys, uh, and it is usually guys. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, welcome to iguana work. Um, yeah, I, I I felt a similar connection. I think that's that part of, I don't know if it's, and again, I, I talk about Stockholm Syndrome on this show all the time, but I just don't know if yep. that's, we've been with this family for so long that us two only children suddenly feel like we have brothers for the first time, or if right. it's that, I mean, the show's well, writing definitely has gotten 22 better. minutes, and then I can set it aside, and I have to worry about whether it's going to smother me with a pillow in the middle of the night. The ideal... Or put a spider in my... my underwear drawer yes or uh or dangle you uh on a chair over a feed trough and then drop you into it and throw <laughs> firecrackers at you firecrackers while filming you with an eight millimeter camera and then later show that to friends over and over whilst making out in a weird psychosexual connection you know if there was a camera in the taylor household randy and brad would 100 percent do that to mark oh uh and film it I'm surprised that hasn't been an episode yet, and it, I mean, given that we've had multiple episodes where there have been camcorders in the Taylor house, how have they not been yeah. videotaping doing pranks on Mark? So another, th- One, yeah, no, no, go. Well, I was going to say, just going to comment on, Mason uh, in the chat here says that this season had some really solid episodes, and I agree, this, I think per capita, this season had the best episodes, um, and a variety of, of different types. You know, yes. we've had bottle episodes, we've yes. had conceptual episodes, we've had emotional episodes. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was, I didn't expect to end the season with the amount of episodes we had with the types of episodes that we started the season with. I, yes. The, the first, like, five episodes were a little bit rocky. Because uh, there, there were some of the season's, the series' worst episodes, but... Um, the majority of the episodes this season were the series' best. I, 
that was the thing. I, I had that same note that we had some of our lowest lows. I think specifically Workshop Till You Drop, which is the one yeah, where Tim and Jill yeah. go to the couple's therapy and everyone concludes that Jill is being too critical of Tim. Surely you all remember Landon's and my <laughs> angst at that episode. I would say that was the worst home improvement episode I've ever seen. There are at least three or four episodes in this season that are easy candidates for the best home improvement episode I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know, I've been thinking back on some of them, and that one I don't think there's any excuse for. That one was just kind of written as what felt like an anti-therapy episode. There, there's kind of no way of getting around it, which undermines the kind of importance of what Jill is trying to do with her life. Yes, we we also we may not be the best judge. We may not be the most impartial judges of of uh, whether a thing is is giving therapy fair shrift, since we are both pretty pro therapy. We uh, well, I think that makes us recognize when it's being attacked and not shown in a balanced light. That's true. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I mean, I'm not going to claim to be a therapist, but like, we've talked to a therapist on the show before about how TV shows depict therapy. So, um, you know, uh, I don't think anyone gets it particularly right, but this one like set out to attack it. But I, I, I also wanted, to, I also wanted to say that in the um, communication breakdown episode, the one where Landon had a breakdown episode mm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> about the father-son relationship um i reflected long about that one and i think that even though it get got a really spicy reaction out of me uh and i just i do not like harry um i think i was more clouded by my my personal feelings on it than the you know actual writing of it and the performing of it because it like it elicited something out of me yeah um you know, and it was supposed to show, I think, so the thing that riled me up was the the interaction between Harry and his son. Yeah. Um, And I think that even though that's what I reacted to, that part is probably okay. Uh, it's, it's the kind of Tim aspect of it in, like, initially taking an anti-Harry parenting stance and then acquiescing to it and then kind of coming in as a superhero by the end of it. Mm. Um that I couldn't quite see. I mean, we talked a little bit about it at the time. But. Oh, we we talked a lot about a lot of things on that episode. We we did we 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 dissected it like the face hugger in Aliens. Listen, if it weren't for that episode, we wouldn't be able to have a video call right now. I, no, that's true. That was a pioneering episode. I love that. Yeah, your your memory of that episode will always be your uh you know your kind of breakdown of Harry's relationship with his son. And my episode of uh, my re- recollection of that episode will always be video phones. Who knew? <laughs> How about that? Um, yeah, I, I well, and I'll I want to wrap just those two things up. Yes, wrap them which up. Which is, I think, between the therapy episode and uh, the communication breakdown episode, made me realize, and a number of other things in this season made me realize, oh, I need to get back to therapy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, that's uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I think that if yeah, well, look, if Home Improvement season six can encourage you, uh, it can encourage anyone to go back to therapy. Then great. Th- then obviously the best season uh, of Home Improvement. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah Mason I, just uh, chimed in and said, uh, "Are you mad that Harry doesn't treat David DeLuise so well uh, because you feel deeply connected to him as you almost played his relative?" Um, maybe, mm. maybe there might be some sort of deep psychological, uh, protective connection I have over David DeLuise. Yeah, I mean, all the world's a stage and all <laughs> those upon it are actors, something like that. I don't know. You feel, you know, <laughs> you, you attack my, uh, almost 
fictional <laughs> cousin. <laughs> Not even brother. You attack cousin. me. Yeah. And listen, <laughs> hey, hey, if, if I've learned anything from the Fast and the Furious movies, it's about the, the importance of family. And exactly. even if that is an almost on-screen family that doesn't happen just because an audition didn't go your way, that doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean shit. You still got you still got to stick up for people. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, I think that something else that I, I that occurred to me in this uh, in this season is that, uh, or in in my reflections on this season, well, one thing that occurred to me is that yeah, the episode Future Shock happened in this season where yeah, Tim and Jill have a series of dreams about what it would be like if they were old and how how men's uh, men's routines are a big situation and a big thing we have to deal with. I'm not gonna lie, I I merged that episode with um, I think it was a season. Two or three episodes. The computer. Where they, the computer. The computer. Yeah, in me my too. brain, they were the same episode. That's <laughs> that's why I thought it was a, like I was looking at it, like we watched that this year because yeah that episode is totally mining from the same vein of comedy which <laughs> yeah. is what if people were old uh, it's yeah. and, and in a sense a precursor to a certain uh, Shyamalan movie that came out this year. Um, but no, something else that I was reflecting on, I just looking over my notes that jumped out at me, but something else that I, I realized, I was thinking today about how much I miss I Don't Think So, Tim. You know, it used to be a staple of oh. the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You kind of forget that it used to be a thing. And they, Wasn't there a moment this season when it's thrown out, but like not as a joke? There's a there's a moment there's at least one moment this season when uh, Al is out there with the uh, with the Unser brothers and he says I don't think so Tim at the end of the episode and takes off his flannel right. to reveal a spesh Al right, shirt yeah which is perfect cinema the greatest thing <laughs> uh, I'm culmination get- of everything you love uh, in one moment I, I, it, a portmanteau uh, on the name Al yes. With the I don't think so, Tim, yes. and showing up Tim in the same moment while on tool time. It, it is it is the uh, home improvement equivalent of Bob Odenkirk walking onto the screen in Little Women, and you realize that not <laughs> Still, only it's just you, not the only, only person who's not had only reaction. is the Little Women's dad alive, but it's Saul Goodman. That is the greatest moment in uh, in cinema. Look, I, I it's <laughs> that, okay, but that is the one moment that 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 I don't think so, Tim, has been on the show that I'm aware of. It might have been peppered through okay. a couple other times in this season. But what I was reflecting on, not to give too much away about the upcoming grunt work of our episode, uh, there is also a lot less grunting in this season. And I'm surprised at how the show, as it goes on, is gravitating away from catchphrases and easy kind of one-off. Yeah. Like, I'm no Big Bang Theory expert, but I seem to remember way more Bazinga being present in my life as that show continued its run. And Home Improvement, (laughs) the grunting show is less grunty and the I don't think so Tim show is less I don't think so Timmy and that's just interesting for the biggest show in America for a few years running as it continues and gains more popularity to move away yeah. from t-shirt brandable catchphrases let's let's put a pin in that because I want to definitely dive into that in the grunt count section stay tuned the, the show oh are you pulling a landed and doing a foreshadow no no, I mean, I, I mean, I was just saying, stay tuned. <laughs> you're the one who's foreshadowing because you're saying we're gonna do a cool thing later. I was just hype manning. But your you were the one setting it up for later, though. I mean, I, you know what? I all right. My, my notes were free for him. I kind of, I'm kind of just like Spider-Man pointing at each other right now. I just, I feel, I feel like people aren't going to tear their earpods out in frustration if they get a hint <laughs> of, of my, you know, of my. Uh, extensive grunt math from later in the episode it's a little teaser <laughs> you're you're dangling grunt carrots in front of people yeah I, I'm, um, I'm dangling a lot yes 
Do you have any more reflections? Because uh, I'm sure we'll be touching on a lot more in specifics once we get into our favorite episodes and favorite moments and stuff. One one other one other recollection, uh, which is okay. that there was an episode uh, when uh, 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 the feminine mistake, which we had our problems with. But in that episode, yes. Jill says, "I need to talk to you about." Uh, he's talking to she's talking to Brad and says, "I need to talk about you and Angela." And Brad says, "I've had the sex talk already, Mom." And when I saw that scene, uh, when we watched that episode like two months ago, I was like, oh, man, I wish I could have seen that episode. And then reading the synopsis for At Sea, the episode we watched, the first episode of the season, was like, oh, that was that episode. I I saw that moment. And <laughs> it was this season. It. Yep. <laughs> Dumb as <laughs> the dog. The sex shit. talk is coming from inside the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, g- good. Educational, I suppose. That's my only other... Uh, that's, that's all I have, unless you have anything else. Uh, I mean... I feel like they'll come out in uh, naturally in uh, our, our future conversations here. But um, I, as we move on to our next section, have yes. a little surprise. I know I'm excited. I saw this in our, you know, in, in the planning, just like surprises, TBA. TBA so it, it's a surprise segment. Truman doesn't even know about this. No listener knows about this. Only I, for the next few seconds, know about this. Uh, and I'm very excited to announce a new corner. Just specifically made for the Super Spectacular. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Is, I would tell you to sit down if it didn't mean you couldn't podcast. Uh, uh, okay, that's crouching. That's that's worse. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand and I'm gonna pass out. So yeah. Welcome to Calendar Corner. Oh. <laughs> I went this whole season not mentioning calendars. You did. Knowing that I would be doing a segment on calendars in our Super Spectacular. So buckle up, buddy. We got a lot to cover. Oh, my God. Uh, Folks listening to this later, I've turned my back to the camera, and I'm walking as far from the webcam as I can. All right. Here we go. Listeners can't hear this. Okay. All right. Go. Starting at C, we've got uh, Heidi uh, on the Tool Time set uh, with arms outstretched in front of the Tool Time logo. And this stands uh, uh, for a few... A few episodes, um, but in the te- uh, the Taylor house, we also have a nice little pastoral uh, image of a, a mill for September. It's fall. It's autumn. Things are coming to uh, fruition here. Um, well, they're dying, actually. I think fruition in, is spring. Go on, please. Continue. In Future Shock. So this continues through September. Future Shock also takes place in September. Uh, so it has the same two calendars, but there's quite a surprise that happens. Because if you remember, that episode takes us into the future. A future vision of what Tim and Jill's life might be. And guess oh, yeah. what? In that future... It's still the same September cam- calendar, so oh, apparently their dreams don't actually change the calendar. For a second, uh, I was interested. For a second, I was actually interested in this segment. Oh, I got a lot more interesting things to come, Oh, sir. I bet you uh, do. It, so the calendars stay the same until Burn in Love, which uh, in the Taylor home has a nice little autumn forest with some orange and reds and greens. Uh, but while on tool time, Heidi gets uh, a little more sweaty with a, a workshop photo and it has a nice purple uh, border. She, um, she's sweaty note. from the burning. Just that's all. <laughs> side note, I thought I discovered a new calendar. Uh, I thought that Tim had a little tearaway calendar that he put on his uh, workbench in the garage, but it was not. It was just a advertisement for Porsche. Um, but, I'm, but I'm glad that we heard about it anyway. <laughs> we go. Same calendars through uh, Jill and her sisters. They switch over to uh, uh, October. This is frustrating because we can't it's, – it's a new calendar, but we can't see it because on the tool time set, we've got um, 
we've got these big foliage things set up for uh, a tool time segment. So we have to wait until the tool man delivers to see the, the tool time calendar. However, in the Taylor home, it's a nice little serene uh, picture of uh, water gently cascading down a series of boulders in the mountain forest. That sounds relaxing. Um, yeah. The tool time delivers uh, in more ways than one because it finally shows us the tool time calendar uh on the tool time set, which is Heidi in the tool time studio with a kind of fuchsia top and a baby blue border. Uh, she's uh, buttoning up a little bit because yep. it's getting cold outside. Yep. Oh, oh okay. That's in, so you can kind of track the passage of time and of the seasons through. Exactly. Yeah. Through. Now I, I could I could sense your your waning interest in this subject. Don't, no. No, Landon. No. In fact, I was I was doing a little research off to the side. If you could hear me typing, because I had I, I had a, a relevant thing. I'm trying to get into oh. calendars now from my long. Oh, interesting. Because I thought you were just I thought you had completely lost interest and we're texting somebody yeah yeah no i'm just i'm just uh no i'm just i'm playing i'm playing world of warcraft right now i'm playing some everquest you know because uh, the next episode yes the next time we get a change in calendars and the next episode to is be which which episode the is the wood the wood the bad the hungry oh that must be an interesting calendar because of the claymation oh, in that episode Truman. buckle the fuck up oh i i like i'm standing <laughs> so i can't but i would if i were sitting in a car let's start in the taylor home where there lurks a thief because uh, it's Thanksgiving. Yes. The only day of the month that makes November at all tolerable. Wow. Um, but wow. how do you know what day Thanksgiving falls on? You look at a calendar, but you'll never know in the Taylor house because the calendar's gone. What? Did Benny? The calendar has disappeared from the, the Taylor house. Benny took it. It's got to be Benny. That's an episode about <laughs> Benny's you thievery. You can't eat the calendar. You can't eat the calendar. Benny... Would find a way. <laughs> Benny finds a way. Crashes um, through borders and boundaries. Uh, that that that's chaos theory. I can hear uh, the 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 question you're asking between your words there, which is where where has it gone? Yes. Where had the calendar disappeared to? Well, Benny's. Well, insides. we we find out. We find out where that calendar is because it shows up in the soup kitchen, uh, in the background. That is the same calendar with the same uh, cascading water dripping over the boulders. Let me just say, Benny has been sighted at both the Taylor house and the soup kitchen. <laughs> okay. The ser right. Serial music playing in the background. If we put the pieces together and interview some witnesses, I think we can build a real case for Benny took the calendar from the Taylor house and put it up in the soup kitchen. Um, okay. You thought we might be done with this this particular episode. No, we are only your, halfway not, through. Not yet, sir. Oh, no. Not yet. No. No. The good, the bad, uh, the wood, the bad, and the, the hungry has one more segment that's worth mentioning, which is the uh, moment when we go to Bass and Rinkin Land. Oh, yes. The, the claymation. There's a claymation calendar. This is what I'd hope there for. There is. In the background, they recreated the tool time calendar behind Snowman L. Okay. So who's on? Is it? Is it just like, is it a, is it a cartoon version <laughs> of Heidi or... It is. It's uh, a re replication of Heidi with her arms outstretched in front of the Tool Time logo. Okay, Landon, that's officially the first interesting calendar bit <laughs> I've heard in my life, or at least since your last interesting calendar bit, which again may have been before I was born. That is cool that they recreated a calendar in the Rankin-Bass bit, and I applaud you for not talking about it then, saving up for this one long, long-awaited goof. <laughs> my hat goes off to you sir thank you sir it, it, there were a number of moments this uh, season where it was hard not to talk about the calendars just, um, just be beads of sweat veins popping out of your forehead <laughs> you're biting down on a wooden soup spoon to not talk about calendars 
In the following episode, Working Men Blues, uh, we open with the really new tool time episode, calendar, which is <laughs> Heidi looking uh, looking like she's doing some pull ups. Uh, has a nice light red, almost night re- light red, almost rose looking mm. color mm-hmm. around the border. Uh, in the Taylor home, scandal. Nobody changed the calendar from November to December. So, uh, well, because none of the guys are going to do it, and they're leaving it up to Jill, and Jill's busy because she's probably got midterms fair. coming up. <laughs> That's not a bad point. Yeah, so don't uh, be all up on your high horse about it. That's good set design. But the the problem is that uh, in the following episode, No Place Like Home, um, listen, I, I realize with the Basin Rink, you might not think this this chain of events could get any more historic. I, I really didn't know. In No Place Like Home, the episode where we go to Tim's childhood home yes. that's being sold, yes, is the first time in an episode we get no calendars at all. Wow. So we go from not changing it over to December to not seeing it all in the following episode, and then it goes on break. So we're never going to know what the December of 1996 look of that calendar was in the Taylor home. You know, what I think is uh, really interesting about this, and I and I do mean... Uh, <laughs> I do mean yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. is that um, as the as the show has gone on, there have been fewer catchphrases, but more calendars. It seems like because there's been only one episode this season with no calendar in it, but so many episodes without mm-hmm. grunts in them. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, there's secrets in these calendars. It really makes you think, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could just sit there and think for hours about this. We we go into 1997, January tool time calendar is an outside shot of Heidi. It looks like the 1997 tool time calendar is mostly outside shots of Heidi. It's really interesting hmm. uh, because there's like almost like a halo around her head with the sun shining. It looks like it was shot at magic hour. Oh. Um, and at home, it's just a nice river scene through a snowy pine forest, <laughs> which is the same through uh, a funny Valentine in, in February, which is another magic hour shot of Heidi on the tool time set. <laughs> Um, followed by a snowy barn. What this suggests is that within each of us, there lies two calendars. There is the calendar we have at work, which is a place of <laughs> fantasy and thinly veiled eroticism. And there is yeah. the calendar we have up at home, which represents tranquility and kind of pastoral scenes, which is, the, I think, the kind of peace and goodwill that we want to bring to our home, whereas our office is chaotic and sexual. That's... <laughs> This is the kind of sadistic humor that just, I feel like only I find humorous. But um, look, guys, this this is what, look out Joe Rogan is all I'm saying. (laughs) Like, you can waste three hours of your life listening to men talk, but can you waste it like this? Go on, Landon. What what happened next? The next episode is, what, Wilson's World? Wilson's World, um, but I'm going to clump these together. Wilson's World, um, uh, Patty's Apartment. We go to a number of locations, uh, people's apartments this season. None of them have calendars. In. We go How to the, the Harry's house. Yeah. None of them have calendars. So, so that's it. I'm that. sorry. I, yeah, I, I, I will. I will think about that. Uh, presumably, they have they have tear one off calendars on their desks, and we just don't. Ha- they have far side calendars, like I did they as do, a child. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, oh, those I'll cows skip are the, up to it again. The, happy, <laughs> happy March fourteenth, everybody. I'll skip a little ahead here. April or March shows um, river scene. Uh, the snow's begun to melt in the Taylor home. Uh, Heidi has a nice little uh, looking hip as heck in a jean jacket. Um, uh, okay, family unties. Oh yeah, we're getting right down to it. This is one of the big, the big heavy hitters of the season. You you want to talk about 
the sweat drop, the mag, uh, the anime sweat drop next to my head. Yeah, and is is your is your entire nose just obscured by redness to show that you're embarrassed? My note here was it, it at the time in that episode. My note here was no landing. Don't do it. Hold back until the time is right. Wow. Oh my god. Because Such Heidi or because Tim and Alice, when they're all getting autographs, none of them have. Uh, Tim and Al don't have lines for them. Of course, but Heidi does yes. because. Oh no. As they state, are they all? She's put out a swimsuit calendar. <sighs> Wait, do they even mention that specifically? Yes, they do. Oh my god, dude! Guys, well, I don't. Uh, wow. I don't know if they mentioned it was a swimsuit, but they do mention it was a calendar. Did she put out and a calendar? That and took. I- all of my effort not talked, to say something at the time. I talked right through it without even really because because this was episode, folks. Family Unties, twenty two episodes into the season, fifteen years of my life spent on season six. I had forgotten, like my natural immunity to calendar content <laughs> had faded, and I did not get a booster shot. So now I am infected with hmm, not a good metaphor. So um, okay, okay. So huge then, calendar content and Family Unties. Lastly, lastly, we get the kiss and the kiss off, the return of Lisa, right? Um, it's mostly the same calendars that we've seen, except for uh, in one scene, they revert back to using a calendar with Pamela Anderson on it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's a nice that's a nice little tribute to... Uh... I'm just kidding. They don't. You know how I know that? I pay attention to the calendars in the background. I don't know. It seems like a thing they would do, Landon. Don't get mad at me. My whole bit is not paying attention to this. It's like getting mad at a clown for wearing big shoes. Of course, I don't know what they actually did with the calendar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this has been a long enough goofer. Can we uh, move on? I was just really hoping that one of the episodes, your fact would be like, yeah, and in this episode, the tool time calendar has been changed to the Persian calendar. So it's actually the 20th day of Joma, 1375. But then next episode, it's back to 97. What's going on, guys? Uh, I will say, I, I was tempted to go back to earlier seasons to see if they just keep reusing the same calendar over and over. Um, but I didn't do that, so we'll never know. <laughs> do you, I mean, you do, like, I, I don't know. How do you find the time, I suppose, is my question. Do you... I don't... You spend, you spend alone. You spend all your time looking at representations of time, but at no point do you look at them and be like, I could fill an entire day on one of these calendars with just with just <laughs> calendar-based research. Landon, I yeah. I salute you for your commitment to that bit. I don't think... You're the only one. I, I well, you know what? All it takes, all it really matters, is that you're getting the salute from from someone who understands it. And and Landon, <laughs> I don't think you understand it, but I think you at least accept it. I accept it at this point. I mean, look, again, I had my, I was anti calendar before. I had a whole season off from calendars. Now getting a whole a whole just sawed off blast of calendar content in my face. I think I I think you know I'm past the event horizon on calendars. I think I'm just kind of. <laughs> Neutral you're, to slightly pro. You've come back like Sam Neill without uh, without skin. Uh, yes, exactly. Does he gouge out his <laughs> eyes in that so he can never look on another calendar? Uh, is that is that Event Horizon or is that um, that might be uh, Into the Darkness? I think that's the name of it. Remember how uh, how in like Dune Messiah they reincarnate Duncan Idaho as like some kind of god or monster or something? Uh, I think that's that's I you know I'm doing more of a Duncan that's Idaho. You've, you've entered your final form. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm I'm Tetsuo. <gasps> yes. Oh God. Um, Speaking okay. of anime sweat drops. Okay. Great. We're, great bit. I was really. We're coming. Yeah. I was just folks. I was just thinking that he was like he was. Telling me, oh, there's a surprise segment coming up. There's a surprise segment. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I was really thinking like, is he gonna turn on the webcam and Patricia Richardson is like in the apartment with him, like like she flew to Wisconsin and he she flew all the way from Texas. I I don't know. I mean, if Miss Richardson, if you're listening, um, I you know, 
I, you know, thank you, I guess. Uh, un- unlike me, she does not have time to waste on calendar content. Okay, that's true. Well, I met because I, I didn't know there was going to be calendar content. I kind of oh, thought right. we were okay, past yeah, that. That was the whole conflict. Yes, right. exactly. Um, God, that would be like if every episode of Home Improvement, there was a subtle reference to the Hudsucker proxy, and I didn't talk about it for a whole year. I don't have that strength. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. We're moving on to our next section, and this is a, a pretty big section. Oh, yes. Um, I am going to do my best to be a little more concise than I was with calendars, but uh, this has been the important uh, kind of touchstone for the second half of the season. Um, I'll give a little bit of background on why it came up and what has transpired since then. Um, we're going to talk about the takeaways uh, from Home Improvement, the good and the bad. Um it was, I think, in Wilson's world where I remember it well. Yes, <laughs> thought bubble. Um, <clears throat> although you can't do a thought bubble and then have just an audio-only format come up over your head. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you it could, could just see, be an empty thought. You could bubble. See, see a waveform, maybe, or like it, like you oh, know, okay, like right. when you're we're listening to someone's SoundCloud. <laughs> it's a thought bubble, and just the worst SoundCloud rap you've ever heard. <laughs> um. In Wilson's world, I had admitted to watching Friends, and already I'm just gonna I'm already gonna take a step back from that and say that there, I, in retrospect, it felt performative to say there there had been like an episode or so before where you I had mentioned that I started watching Friends and you kind of took me to task for it in a playful way, and then by the time Wilson's world came around. I took the stance of um, playing the fact that I watch Friends uh, as something to be embarrassed about. I, well, you know, I mean, I think it was performative given that is podcasting not the, you know, it, it is it is the it is the lowest energy form of performance, but it remains a performance. All the world's a podcast. Well, true, but it's, it, it starts with the truth, or it should at the very least. And so... You know, uh, I watch. Oh, I watch. You asked me at the time how how much Friends did I watch, and yes. I didn't answer you. And uh, I got a few episodes into season nine, so like pretty freaking far, uh, at, to the point where it, it was erroneous for me to pretend that I wasn't getting some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Um. And but I took Friends to task, and there, I don't want to make this about Friends, but I will say that you know. So what I ex- uh, expressed in that, I think a lot of it's still valid. It was the way that I did it that was, you know, uh, not great. Um, and luckily, uh, Laren reached out uh, in a very good-humored way to um, uh, put a point of order to us uh, for taking friends to task, we, we, which was great. We got a little poo flung at us for the first time. <laughs> But she showed us uh, this video from a place called The Take, which um, showed us the the good and the bad takeaways from Friends and taught me a lot of things that uh, I wouldn't have seen as, as not only a single male, but, you know, one person sitting alone on a couch watching it, ha- half watching it while I put together IKEA furniture. So... Um, are, are you sure the IKEA it, furniture didn't have something to do with it? I mean, was it really was it a really rebellious Moss Joe and the and the brackets just weren't fitting together right? I I, I don't I, I'm kind of an IKEA furniture whisperer, but it doesn't uh, surprise. I mean, you 
I, I think I'm the opposite of an Ikea furniture whisperer, and I just assume everyone is as bad at it as you're, me. You're an Ikea furniture yeller. Uh, yes, because, uh, because I yell at it when I am not <laughs> able to understand the instructions or perform the basic rudimentary construction tasks. Anyway, this whole uh, situation was really transformative for me in terms of, like, checking my own perspectives at the door and not just stepping into a confirmation bias in this kind of echo chamber that we do called a podcast. Yes. Um, and I wanted to turn the tables back on home improvement and have you and me, Truman, uh, take a look at the show to understand the good uh, that has come out of the last six seasons, the bad, uh, the impartial, uh, so that we can kind of recontextualize and put a different foot um, forward for season seven. Um, but we also asked uh, people to write in, and we got a number of responses that I've excerpted and we'll go into that uh, after the fact, but let's start with us a little bit. I want to just kind of run down good and bad, good and bad, and um, go from there. I, the the good, the bad, and the impartial was a really <laughs> terrible spaghetti western. There's just <laughs> two dudes looking for gold and one other dude who's just kind of there, just just like yeah, I don't know. Is there a donut <laughs> shop around here? I'm not I'm not particularly invested in it. Um, yeah, I mean. I, you know, I've been thinking about that. Well, I mean, I think about home improvement a lot. I think more than most people. Yeah. Landon, I think you and I are in the top 1% of people thinking about home improvement. It's like <laughs> the cast and crew of the show and then us. And we're not we're not getting residuals checks. And I don't even think they actively think about home improvement 30 years after the fact. So I, I mean, I think that I think that every major primary cast member of that show thinks about home improvement at least once a day, if only because it's well, like, OK, green fair, check in fair. the mail uh, from SAG-AFTRA. Oh, uh, this is this must be from that episode of Home Improvement that they, they get aired a daily in Bangladesh. Check. I don't know, man. I'm not rich. I wasn't on a popular show. That show's heavily syndicated. Maybe they do get a daily check. Let's get Ted Danson on here. Ask what his life is like. What I've been thinking about is that, I, I don't know, this, I mean, again, this season I think is the best season of Home Improvement thus far. The show's been getting stronger as it goes on. And in yes. this season, a thing that has really changed so much for the better has been Tim. And it's allowed me mm. to see things about Tim Everyone will know, including people who review us on iTunes, that we have our criticisms of Tim that are yeah. well-founded and, 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 and are there. But I think that um, – I think this is the season when I started seeing things that I actually liked about Tim and I started seeing things that I was proud of in him. I yeah. think that things – a thing that this show gets right is that Tim genuinely loves Jill and is genuinely enthusiastic about being her husband. I get that he talks – a lot of shit in ways that we routinely call out. I get that he gripes a lot and complains. You hold this up against a show like Married with Children, which is all about, this woman has ruined my life, and I hate being married to her, versus Home Improvement, where Tim, like, Tim treats his wife poorly a lot of the time. Yes, I will give you that. But it is never done from the attitude of, she ruined my life by marrying me, I would be so much better off single. Tim always seems to have the impression that Jill has enhanced his life, even if he has complaints about her cooking. You know, you, you bring up the married with children thing, and I think that that's an interesting comparison, because I think that that show accomplishes, granted, it's been a long time since I watched it, but I watch it pretty, pretty regularly when mm -hmm. it was on. I think that show accomplishes some things that this that home improvement set out to do early on which was kind of satirize this idea of the ma masculine male it might have like grown into a monster that they couldn't control by the end of it uh it archie but, bunkered on them yes yeah exactly where it, it you know um but there 
I don't think at any point you're supposed to take that the mentality of that show seriously. I mean, it's it's played like a mad magazine more than it is a family sitcom. That, that is a fair point. I have not watched Married with Children in a while, and probably when I was watching those episodes, I was... My, my, it was probably the same age when I was watching Starship Troopers, and I was like, this is a weird movie, not, oh, this is obviously <laughs> satire. Um, yeah. I don't but know. But you make good points about, about Tim's change in this season, for uh, sure. Yes, I, I mean, yeah, that that he has gotten... So, I don't know, I, I, I think that... But so I think that Tim still just, the kind of... I don't know, the enthusiasm that he has, I think, for Jill, and the and the clear love that he has for Jill, I think is a good thing. Again, I think that this show does a lot, like... It then makes it all the more kind of uh, upsetting when then Tim is not great to Jill or is yeah. shitty to her when he, when we to, are led to, to believe show that, that he he knows what the you know uh, proper response. Well, I don't want to use the word proper, but uh, you know he knows what a more uh, sensitive or or you know uh, I guess well for lack of a better word proper response would be and chooses not to give that sometimes is makes it all the more frustrating yes that is drawn but in this in this season we've seen more and more of tim as like you know being uh, being a genuinely good non-dirtbaggy yeah. dude and i think that that yeah. has they've always wanted the show to be that and they have been more able to achieve that in more recent seasons post season three particularly this one uh do you want to trade off on goods or shall i go through my yeah other two well I'll, i have one that's kind of you know on that idea of the tim taylor character which is i think that in in certain instances um it's hard when tim when the show at least initially is like on the premise of a specific person like tim allen uh and i'm not i don't want to speak to tim allen specifically but it's just now that we're six seasons in there feels like times when it is still playing on an older premise that this is based on the comedy of yes when it no longer feels applicable uh and so i think that i don't know it's got to be difficult to kind of center your show around a comedic personality and then kind of abandon that and have that character change yeah um particularly when the character is someone that you're supposed to say you're wrong to yeah you know like i can't imagine putting a family sitcom around a character like Andrew Dice Clay or, you know, Anthony Jeselnik or someone that is, like, intentionally provocative with their comedy and, and contrarian with their comedy because you want to create a sympathetic character, and it's hard when you're placing that character on the wrong side of the argument. Yes, yeah. I, I think that that's um, – I, and I think that's part of I, – I think, again, if, if we look at the Married with Children comparison – I think that that, you know, that Married with Children could work as a satire because you look at Ed O'Neill and that and it's like, well, nothing yeah. is aspirational about him. No, uh, this man is never right. a source of wisdom. He is right. a buffoon. Whereas Tim, it's it, they're trying to have it both ways. Where it's like, this man is a buffoon, but sometimes he's pretty great. He's actually the smartest guy ever. And other times he's a dumbass and he goes between them from one scene to the next. And right. that's kind of, right. you know, it, it, it doesn't work as a satire of some of his views. Even if the show knows Tim is in the wrong with this, it's like, well, yeah, but then they're going to redeem him and have us loving him and believing that he's in the right on this by, you know, within two minutes. And it's um, yeah. it's hard. But to... I'll take that to mention a good takeaway, yeah. I think, is that this show, more than any other family sitcom I can think of, though, you know, I, I could just be, <laughs> Home Improvement could just be the, you know, full solar eclipse of, <laughs> you know, family sitcoms for me at the moment. So I might just be blanking things out. But um it actually tries to tackle topics that I feel like are so overlooked by other sitcoms. Yes. You know, um, 
sibling, you know, rivalry uh, in terms of the jealousy and, and finding your place in the pecking order. Um, you know, the insecurities that can come from, well, granted, they're not exploring Mark very much yet. <laughs> Hopefully we get some more of that. But Well, they're, they're, uh, going, to, they're going to uh, explore Mark's infatuation with the dark side of life. Soon, hopefully, I keep being led to believe yeah. it's going to be next season. Um, but the, you know, the idea of the importance of a, a male role model in the upbringing of someone—you know—that's the, the, the show touches very deeply on that, yeah, in, in you know various forms, which is interesting. And um, I think that even though it is a constant source of failure, the fact that they do try to identify and celebrate to some degree in some episodes when they get it right the key differences between men and women rather than acquiescing to you know all men should be more like women or women just need to stop being like women and you know and let men be men yeah you know when they when they're able to set that aside and come to like oh well we are approaching this from a different viewpoint Let's learn from each other and and you know be open to each other's perspectives. I think it it can be really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I think that again, that's part of the triumph of season six is that they have finally gotten to a place where they are allowing Tim to get out of the way of that a little bit more and kind of bring up, have it be more even handed, basically. Because look, my big my big overarching thing of like what I think the show gets wrong is that so much of Tim's character in especially the early seasons is wrapped up in grievance like it's not just I'm a man and men do things this way and I don't understand women and and women do these things and it's funny to me it it is I'm a man and women do things this way and it makes me angry and I'm going to use my talk show to gripe to an audience mostly of men (laughs) or or silent women uh, about why I'm upset by this and why I think that I'm personally victimized by this. And it's 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 an interesting approach in that like I I think that at the time, you know, actually I have a I have a visual thing here. Um Oh wow, you made visuals? No, I didn't make well, I made it in 1994. Wow, you were well, I mean, I don't know. You you you're always an artsy <laughs> kid. I have a uh, creative writing journal oh, here. Oh yes. I'm going to hold this right up to the camera so you can see Wow. Wow. 9-8-1994. So this is the day after. 9-9-1994. My prompt, I I don't know what the prompt was, but uh, I had written, My favorite TV show is Home Improvement because Tim Allen is so funny. I watch the show every week. Uh, So... I mean, listen, I'm not don't expect a a, a novel or, or a poem from, you know, a 12 year old. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's I think it's telling in that um, it, you know, back in the day, the grievances that you're talking about are like um, it, it, they were easier to overlook. They're the things that don't age well because now in 2021, it's like there's nothing funny about seeing, you know, a privileged male just being slightly put out because he doesn't want to set his own, his own perspective for a moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I really agree. Like, this is one of the things that I was writing down is that I feel like it wouldn't – the show wouldn't bump me as much if it was a battle of the sexes show – where a man is confused about the differences between male and female disposition and where, you know, he can, 
you know, he jokes around about it and Jill jokes back about it and both people have their perspective and there's some eye-rolling groaner lines because it's the 90s. Like, that would be one thing. It's that Tim is so often really genuinely seems angry in a way that almost transcends his character. That, I think, is what it's... That is what kind of makes it uncomfortable. That's what takes it out of the realm of being funny is when it's like... It, it's not just that he's confused and stumbling through this thing. It's that it really upsets him. And so there's so many episodes in this season that I've called out where it's like, Tim is just dumb, but not dumb and angry, not dumb and mean, dumb and good natured. Yes. And that is that is a lot easier to that is a lot easier for me to watch, and that is a lot easier for me to laugh at. So I think that's a thing that they have done wrong historically that they are getting better at. I there's just one or two more points I want to make from the takeaways that I got. Uh I'll make them brief, though. Um, I do want to say that one thing that I think this show tackles uh, that no other show does is the idea of masculinity. I mean, it's baked into its its mission statement, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think it does do a great job of showing different types of masculinity, both in Al and Wilson, uh, to you know emphasize the sensitivity, to emphasize... Um, intelligence uh that i think are interesting and there's a one of the the user submitted um things that we'll get to in a second really painted wilson for me in a a new way that i it's i'm not going to be able to see the show the same moving forward so this is precisely why i wanted to uh do this segment so um you know even though they you know end up being the butt of a lot of jokes the fact that al doesn't like change his character like he's true to who he is in his own masculinity uh, even in the face of Tim making fun of him for it, I think is a great example of, uh, you know, um, balancing the scales of Tim's um, masculinity. I, you know, I, I, and I agree with that. And that's something else that I have, that I have noticed is that, ev- yeah, even though they are clowning on Al for having these beliefs, the fact that he so consistently puts them out there and shows, yeah, you can be a, you know, masculine dude who's a great great builder and constructor and who can use power tools and also tell your friends hey maybe let's not all talk shit about our girlfriends and wives (laughs) when a camera's recording us i mean that's or even when a camera's not recording us because we shouldn't do that under any circumstances uh you know it's it's good to see that there even if the show uses it for a punchline it is still important representation that you weren't getting as much of elsewhere one thing that i think this season uh really did a lot to introduce was um, giving the female characters in this show a little more agency. Because I feel like while they they did focus on the different forms of masculinity, the the presentation of females on the show has not historically been great. No. Yes, they they've given Jill her you know ability to um, you know pursue stuff outside the home and you know go to school and stuff, but. When you think of females as a whole on this show, it's like there's there's one worldview for women, and men always have to acquiesce or live in the world of how women want things to work. Yes. Whereas there are different ways for, you know, masculinity to work within this world. Yeah. So um, one thing that I think the season did really well to introduce was the introduction of Patty. Mm. Um Jill's friend. And even, and even, yeah, and even Heidi, where, like, I feel like Patty's been given more character uh, in the two episodes that she was in than, you know, Marie, remember Marie yeah. had in two full seasons. Yeah, or Lisa uh, ever got, really, up until the end Lisa of this ever season. Got. Yeah. And in the last episode where Heidi, you know, got to um, 
be you know a little more involved in the storyline uh, than um, you know uh, she had been previously and got to air some grievances and like get a little more depth of character to her. Uh, so I, I like that they've introduced that here, and I hope to see that change a little bit more. Um, lastly, and I'll make this one quick, which is I think that the show – I know I'm thinking like Family Matters might do a good job of this too, mm. but it's, it's the family dynamics. It's like at no point do I ever question that this is a family that – um, wants the best for each other. Yeah, you know, despite the sibling rivalry, despite some of Tim's fuck ups and and views, sometimes everyone wants the best for one one another. And um, Tim specifically, you know, always wants the best for for his kids. It's just frustrating at how often he needs to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, in that he has to keep learning the same lesson over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I just that's one thing that I think as you mentioned earlier in this episode is like what made me feel like this is my own family. This season is that their focus on, um, family dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. Their family ties, if you will. Well, actually Tim doesn't, I won't, Tim doesn't wear that many neckties anymore. So actually I guess it doesn't, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't really count. Remember how much we used to love his suits and ties. Oh, those were the days early nineties. Yes. Um, okay, we're going to go into uh, a few excerpted things that uh, users and listeners have submitted uh, at our request for this. Um, Truman, I'm going to let you go first, but I, I want to start here by just saying that uh, for the most part, a lot of people who wrote in had two big things in common, which I thought were pretty interesting. They listen to grunt uh, work, <laughs> and they have computers. <laughs> Exactly. One was that Home Improvement was a show that they could watch with their family and parents, that it was, um, you know, a whole family affair. It wasn't, you know, kind of risque or or something like Married with Children or The Simpsons, um, which I think is something Laren actually specifically said. But the other thing um, a lot of people said or most people said was that the show to this day still brings them nostalgia. Yeah. Um, which I thought was also interesting. So um, we're going to go through some user-submitted responses. If anyone uh, wants to live chat their own responses and what they think uh, Home Improvement does right or wrong, uh, feel free to type that in, and we'll we'll cover those as we go through. But Truman, um, why don't you start with uh, with a few? Yeah, sure. So we we got uh, we got a letter in a letter, well, presumably an email from Jess, who said that on. <laughs> oh no, this one was a this was a letter for sure. This was a letter, it was handwritten, uh, ink and quill, d- yeah. d- delivered by Pony Express to your door. <laughs> uh, exactly from Jess saying. Wilson is like the spiritual father to Tim in the absence hmm. of his real one. He acts as a guiding light to help pass the wisdom onto his own kids. That okay, so that was the one I was referring to earlier, which was like that painted Wilson out, especially in the wake of seeing the episode with the flashback of Tim's father. Yes, like there's this kind of absence of Tim's father through this whole show that is there and not there, and um. To see Wilson as a father figure to Tim was, I mean, we've made jokes that he's God, everyone's father. Yes, but still a father as an figure. Actual spiritual father to Tim, I thought was really interesting. Uh, yeah, like the yeah the, the reincarnation of Tim's dad almost living on in this, uh, and that's the reason that's the reason that you never see the bottom of his face because if if Tim could see his full face, he'd realize, oh shit, that's been my dad the whole time. <laughs> Tim can see his whole face. We can't though. Well, okay, I guess that's... is Wilson our dad. 
you know, maybe so. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's why we have such a spiritual connection to it ourselves. Maybe that's why we like Wilson so much. <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And so, like, going into season seven, I'm not going to be able to look at Wilson and not see a father figure to Tim. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, even though Wilson himself is childless, it's like Tim is his child. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, next one, we have one from uh, from Austin here. And he says... I had a single mom who worked full-time, and even though I didn't notice it at the time, I saw how hard she had to work to make everything work. So also seeing Jill go back to school and get a job outside the home normalized it for me and informed my perspective with respect uh, to respect how much harder women have to work. Tim is funny, but Jill is queen. I agree with all of that, especially the end of it. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I really, because I, I, I think that's something that we have talked about on the show ourselves, mm-hmm. is that Jill going back to school is kind of a piece of representation that I don't think you see that often on these shows. And I think it's really great yeah. that for Austin watching the show, it was able to, you know, for all of the other things we call out about masculinity on this show, it was able to advocate to a young person this really positive view of like, yeah, sometimes, you're, sometimes your mom goes back to work. Sometimes your mom goes to school because she wants to get a better career. Right. Yeah, and especially for uh, he, she, or they, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to make presumptions about the name Austin, but, uh, you know, if it is a, a he, to have that instilled in a young male, I think is important, too. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I could say the same thing. It, 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 as I reflected after reading that when it came in, um, I had a mom that worked full-time as well, and it was actually kind of an adjustment for me to go to... Uh, people's houses where their mom was, you know, a stay-at-home mom. Not that, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, and that's just as much of a full-time job, if not more. Um, but it, it, yeah, the, you know, women in the workplace, I don't want to get too too deep into this, but, you know, that representation was kind of unique um, to see the, both the balance of the family home life on TV. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, which, again, I think that, you know, Home Improvement does family life better than a lot of other shows. It's not just a vehicle for cheap laughs, but they actually represent, you know, what it what it actually is. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, from Ryan, we have it was easier to laugh at Tim's antics back in the day. The show will always be one of my forever favorites, but some of the stuff just did not age well, like Al's weight jokes or making fun of therapy. So, yeah, you know, we've 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 tread that ground. We agree with you there. It sounds like they listen to the show. Uh, Yeah, I know. Again, every (laughs) one thing that all of these people have in common. Um, But I can still find a lot to laugh at today, even in the episodes where Tim is a little off. Anything with Al and Heidi is great. And Brad's dimness is similar to Sam's in Cheers and how it progresses. Completely, completely agree. In the same way that a show, even if, as the show moves away from catchphrases, it is leaning in harder to each character's quirks in, a, in the way that sitcoms tend to as they go on. Uh, I still like to revisit the show on DVDs when I'm feeling down and want something familiar, which is, mm. I mean, it's a very, it's a very comforting show. Like I, the times yeah. that I've gone back and rewatched episodes for one reason or another, and I'm not scrutinizing them and taking notes on them the way that we have to, it is really a comforting show to watch because it's like, you, you feel like you're in good hands, even... Even if it's an episode that doesn't hold up super well to our intense scrutiny, as a show that you're just watching to see some characters that you like and some interactions that are fun, it's it's great. It does that job very, very well. It makes you feel at yeah. home, and it improves your home. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. We all have our kind of uh, fall asleep shows, and, um, you know, I, I miss uh, Futurama. It used to be mine, and mm. I don't have Netflix anymore, so... I haven't had that in a while. Um, I've also gotten rid of television in my bedroom. But, uh, yeah, there is something to, like, the wind-down-your-day show 
uh, to kind of put you in a, a good vibes before you go to bed. Um, the, yeah, the best, we all have those. The best kind of blue light to beam directly into your eyes right before you try to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and as Mason uh, has put in the chat here, uh, he says he binged it a couple years ago when it was on Hulu, and he never felt that his time was wasted. Yeah, yeah, which, uh, you know, I, I think that if our time gets wasted, it's because we're paying too much attention in a way that the show was not designed for. Yeah, if our show is wasted, that's on us, not the show. Yes. Um, okay, we got one more user-submitted uh, takeaway that I want to cover. This is from Laren, uh, something that I take... Um, extra heart for, from, I phrased that really poorly. Not not great, Landon. I mean, do, do, you, do you have enough water over there? <laughs> I do. Uh, something that I cherish because, you know, this whole whole thing came up, uh, this conversation came up, um, you know, with her drawing attention to this. Uh, so uh, I really respected uh, what she had sent in, and um, I've excerpted this, so bear with me. Um, she says... Uh, Dot, dot, dot. I think the big reason the show endures is the cast. Um, the people who work well together have great chemistry. Even the casting of the side characters like the K&B boys, Marty, Eileen, Marie, Carrie, Jill's parents, uh, and others are spot on. Um, I always like Jill for her strength and take no shit attitude. Um, the ums are mine, not not Laren's. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think we I think we all okay. guessed as much. Good. Uh, even as a kid, I don't think I took any of Tim's problematic words or actions seriously. I knew that we were meant to laugh at him and that he would be shown uh, the light by Jill or Wilson by the end of the episode. I actually learned real cultural and historical information from Wilson, which is pretty impressive for a sitcom. Yeah, absolutely true. It's like PBS. Yeah, on ABC. Uh, the Taylor boys are always entertaining. Um, and seeing their storylines and uh, dilemmas evolve as they grow up is enjoyable. Another interesting aspect of it is, yeah, seeing the the storylines change as the kids get older. Yeah. Uh, something that I can only think are uh, – the only other show I can think of like that is maybe Adventure Time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which wasn't even like <laughs> – which, which had the luxury of being an animated show with an adult voice cast, so it wasn't like they had to tailor the episodes around how adult the kids uh... looked from one episode to the next. So you're so, fired for that pun. Yeah. So adventure. So what I'm saying is, Adventure Time totally sucks. Home Improvement way better. Um, but yeah, does th- everybody know what time it is? Adventure Time. Woo. When uh, okay, she goes on to say, when Tim and Jill are good, they're great together. Uh, times when we get less of the nagging wife stuff and glimpses of their friendship, uh, making each other laugh and teamwork uh, with raising the kids. I think that's absolutely true. Something that we pinpointed early on is something unique to this show. Yeah. Um, so often it seems like man and wife are pitted against each other. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's been great. Uh, as for the bad, the toxic masculinity and nagging wife bits, making fun of Al and his mother's weight get old. Uh, Benny and Harry are the fucking worst. Yep. Yep. Um, no, no qualms there. I mean, everyone knows how we come down on that. (laughs) Tim and Jill's fight in the first few seasons are almost, uh, or, uh, Tim and Jill's fights in the first few seasons are almost constant. Um, I remember, Watching the finale when it aired eight years ago, uh, when <laughs> when it aired, an eight-year-old me being very sad and not understanding why they weren't going to make more. Oh. Um, that, I just wanted, I wanted to put that sentence in there because I feel like 
that's going to be my reaction to the end of grunt work. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to be very sad and not, uh, I'm going to be confused as to why we're not making more. Oh, okay. Well, unlike, unlike with the end of home improvement, uh, I don't think anyone is going to offer us a million dollars per episode to continue making the show. And we will turn it down because we feel like the show has artistically run its course, which, uh, is in fact what actually happened there. <laughs> um, Anyway, she she ends by saying, uh, all in all, I think the good outweighs the bad. Home Improvement will always be one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I think that's – thank you so much for sending that in and for, and for yeah. being so candid, first off, with, with your feelings about it. I think that – yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that that is the, – the same – okay, we've talked a lot about how Home Improvement nails family. And uh, a part of family is loving someone and seeing their faults and being annoyed by their faults and loving them nonetheless. And in that regard <laughs> – <laughs> Home improvement especially does feel like family yeah. because it's like, uh, yes. you know, there's a lot of things like like she articulated that uh, are not great about the show and that make you kind of roll your eyes and are reasons that maybe maybe I, that's not the first thing I tell people when I meet them is that I host a home improvement podcast. But yeah, when, yeah. You, when you give the show a chance, it has it has moments and 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 pieces to it that really you love and that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. In a lot of regards, it's pretty unique, and, you know, I think it, it deserves, you, you know, any show is going to have stuff that doesn't, you know, age well, um, but I think it deserves uh, its place in, in television history and, you know, uh, kind of look back in, you know, um, big big moments of, you know, uh, time we're doing a top 100 sitcoms uh, of the century, I think that Home Improvement definitely deserves uh, to be in there. Yeah. You know, in I don't even know if it makes even necessary. No, actually, maybe the top fifty, maybe top, maybe in the maybe in the upper half of that. I don't even know. I have to think about all the sitcoms. I, yeah, might even be in the top twenty-five. I don't know, man. I don't know. For a guy who spends all of my time thinking about sitcoms, I'm having a hard time thinking of how many sitcoms there are. But again, that might be the warm room I'm in. I'm also having a hard time <laughs> thinking of what my own name is, so that might be part of the part of the problem. <laughs> Um, but, uh, thank, okay, so thank, thank you. you. I want to everyone who want to give in. a big heartfelt thank you to to Laren for this whole thing. It's really been a transformative process for myself, um, and I hope to take that moving forward uh, to how I just podcast in general. So um, thank you so much for that, and thank you for everyone uh, to everyone for writing in, giving us your your perspectives. Um, I do think that I got some good stuff out of this and looking at the show a little bit differently um, starting next season. So. Uh, hurrah! Woo. Shall we move on to everybody's favorite segment? Everybody loves this segment. Segments, yes. Uh, well, everybody <laughs> does love segments. If there's one thing that this show has a lot of, it's segments. We are we are big on segments, big on corners. Yeah, we're big on corners. Yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about our faves, our faves yes. from the season. Let's wrap it up. Let's. We're going into favorite corner. Yes. The, the the best corner, or at least, well, not maybe not objectively the best corner, but the corner that we have the highest opinion of out of all the many, <laughs> many corners in this weird, uh, weird polyhedral room of ours that is a podcast. Yes, and just like the Oscars, let's start with, um, no, Oscars starts with something kind of big, don't they? They, I, they start with supporting? I, it, Os Oscars usually starts with Billy Crystal doing a whole kind of comedy montage. I've, uh, I haven't <laughs> well, seen Well, I'm glad you said that, because I've got a whole years. song and dance number ready. Okay, hey, speaking of things that aren't going to age very well, what do you think about Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> um, yeah, so. Let's start with uh, Cameo. Yes. We're going to start with our favorite Cameo of the season. So, to differentiate... Uh, cameos 
are for the people that have appeared on the show who are playing themselves. Yes, not uh, actors. So, <laughs> not actors, correct. And and these people epitomize the definition of not acting. Yes. Yes, which is which is why which is why when I have to list my favorites, there is there's one clear front runner and and no runners up. I mean, it's not like um, it, this isn't this isn't like the Academy Awards where it's like, oh man, who, who's it, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Heath Ledger or one of the other people who were nominated that year? There's so many good ones. It's uh, it's just uh, for me. There's there there are. Uh, well, I can't even say the number because it'll give give it away. Landon, are you good? Or are you are you disappearing from the yeah, internet? Yeah, sorry, I was just I was switching to my phone network just in case my internet is being crappy because it seems like it keeps going in and out. So smart. Want to get something a little more secure there? Yeah. So um, let me let me just do a quick rundown of the the cameos we've had this season because yep. we've had some big ones. Yep. And we've had some small ones. Yep. <laughs> there are uh, we've had some small actors and some big actors. And we've had uh, a few returning champions. So, uh, going down the list, we had uh, Michael and Mario Andretti, the father-son team. Uh, you know, like of NASCAR. Uh, uh, fact, fact check here, Lane, and they're brothers. In fact, <laughs> Lucille Tregoen, the uh, the expert mechanic who shows Tim up a few times. Mm-hmm. The unforgettable episode with the Beach Boys. I, I may not always with the lineup of only one one Beach Boy in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's not fair. That's not fair. One Wilson in it. Yes, well, one one of the one of the like original Mike boys. Love is yeah yeah. Well, Mike Love is original too, but he's not a Wilson brother. But, yes, uh, the Al Unser family, which is Al Unser, uh, the grandfather, the middle guy, and the child. Yeah, those three Jack dudes. Arut, the NASCAR announcer, and um. Ray Pleva, the, the cherry, cherry burger cheese guy <laughs> from Travis Traverse City. God Almighty, my brain isn't working. Neither is my tongue. Sherman, I think I know who yours is. Yep, uh, but I think you might be surprised about mine. I, you know, I think that's that's a fair bit because I am very wide and very shallow, like one inch deep. You can see, <laughs> like, you can see the pebbles at the bottom of the lake of my psyche. Whereas Landon is like Crater Lake. I have no idea what's going on beneath the surface there. And there's usually a monster there. Uh, you know, true. And, uh, and also a cool little island in the middle named after a wizard. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, my favorite, obviously, it's the Al Unser family. Three dudes yes. named Al... This is the funniest cameo bit ever done on Home Improvement. The episode, uh, I'm struggling to remember the episode that they were in, but uh, it's the one where, uh, you know, on Tool Time, Tim is yep. there with all three Al's, and he's just having, he keeps saying Al, and everyone's responding to him, and it's basically who's on first but with Al's, and yep. Al Borland is there just drinking in the moment and loving tormenting Tim. Uh, there's, there's no, there, none of these others hold a candle to them in terms of funniness. The, the, I only want to see cameos from real people on this show if they can be as funny as uh, the three Al's. Only if they're named Al. Yes, ba- basically, yeah. I, this show, we've always said the show could benefit from more Al, and while at the time we meant Al Borland, any Al will do. It seems. Al Roker. <laughs> okay. What about Alec Baldwin? I mean, I can think of another show that he enhanced. I wouldn't. Well, I mean, 
I, I would, and also I would love to see the epic battles between Alec Baldwin and Tim Allen behind the scenes. Those are, those are two personalities <laughs> who you cannot possibly imagine getting along well at the craft services table. Uh, what, All right. What about you, Landon? Surprise me. Take me d- deep. I will. I will. For the sake of maybe for the sake of variety, I mean your your choice was so apparent from the second that the episode yes. aired that I knew then what your answer was going to be here. You know me too well. Uh, so maybe for the sake of variety, but maybe um, maybe for a cheap reason, I've I've chosen a different answer. And the the reason I chose this was not from anything in the season, but from the bloopers oh. uh, that we we see. It was a special feature on the DVD. Which I don't know if you watched streaming, but I should if I didn't. I'm sorry. It was uh, during the Thanksgiving episode. Um, if you remember the Tool Time segment, they are having a NASCAR race for turkey carving. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and yeah. that's when they bring out Mario and Michael Andretti. <sighs> Is this like the calendar bit? Are you just like you're just doing <laughs> no, bits specifically no. to antagonize? Here's here's why I chose it. The bloopers for this made me laugh so hard because Mario is in the background waiting to be brought out and they keep having to restart the scene over and over and over again because he keeps eating the turkey off of the plate in front of him Uh, and they keep yelling at him to stop eating the turkey and he can't remember to stop eating it and every time they cut back to him he's just got a mouthful of turkey it made me laugh really really hard okay if that had been included, I would have a whole new perspective on the Andretti brothers. <laughs> I absolutely love that. To be out of your element, not used to being on a film set or a TV set, yeah. and to be given direct instructions not to eat food <laughs> and to just not be able to remember that from one take to the next. I love that energy. Yeah. Uh, it was great. God. Uh, I, I also was very tempted to pick Ray Pleva, uh, only because it's rare that you get a cameo that then gives a thrust for the rest of the episode, Yeah, which is that was the episode where they're trying to find a, a food that they can, you know, um, mix together. But he had like one line. And it was like, I don't know. When was that really a thrust for the rest of the episode, or was that the impetus for like three more jokes that they that that episode no because stamped as that a was plot. like the, Tim and Al have a competition to find which two foods they could put together. Benny comes on to be a taste tester. It's the whole second segment of the Tool Time episode. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, look, I I get that you didn't pick that <laughs> okay. as way. I just I just think they remember being disappointed with that bit. So the fact that you're giving it. Any credence at all is offensive to me. Well, I did. I didn't choose it. Well, I chose, okay, that is. I, did, I chose another one on a technicality from the bloopers. So, okay, you know, I, no, but, choose your poison. But that one I totally respect. I didn't even watch that blooper, <laughs> okay. and I think it's hysterical. And you made a very good choice. <laughs> uh, let's move on to yes. character actor. Uh, this is a uh, actor who's appeared uh, a single time in this season um, that has no not appeared previously to the season. Uh, with one rare exception, which is uh, the return of Pamela Anderson as Lisa. Woo! Um, woo. So I'm just going to go down a quick uh, rundown of who um, we have here. I've narrowed it down to people that uh, had a pretty big impact on episodes. So, okay, let's just quickly run down the list. Larry Hankin, who played uh, Tim's Halloween guy. We have uh, Janine Garofalo, mm. who was Tina, the bassist, <laughs> and Francis in that same episode, who played Liddy Talbot, the pian- uh, pianist. Uh, Tom Poston returns, but as a different character, Ned, the brother to Ted, the uh, uh, gas station owner. Yeah. 
Uh, Patrick Cronin, who plays Sparky, the uh, joke-loving mechanic. We have uh, the first appearance of Tom Sharp as Tim's brother, Jeff. Bonnie Bartlett uh, doing a a thing as Tim's mom. Doing a thing. Todd Glass uh, as Tim's dad in flashback. And Mason said in the chat that uh, uh, it was so weird that uh, he says that uh, Todd Glass playing Tim's father is still just so crazy to me. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Mitch Rouse as Brad's boss, Rob, um, and his co-worker, Holly. Um, David DeLuise as Dennis, Harry's son. Uh, we have Drew Carey as Cy Goodman. Uh, not Cy Goodman. Cy. I can't remember his last name. So, Saul, uh, Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul. Yeah, there you go. Wesley Mann as AJ uh, Sanderson, uh, the Benford product engineer. Um, we have Greg Richard Nelson, the Swedish buyer. Harry Groner as Fred the producer, a character I forgot about till I put this list together. Yeah, yeah. Again, this <laughs> season is long, and it contains multitudes of character it actors. Does. Uh, George Del Hoyo, Doug, Patty's boyfriend. Uh, Marcelo Tubert, Dr. Nell, who works on... Um, uh, Tim in the injury episode. Eric Sayet, the character actor who appeared uh, in a deleted scene, apparently, and then reappeared as a concierge uh, at the hotel. Uh, Jim Jansen, Sherman Howard, Ada Maris, Nancy Lanary, Susan Krebs, and Rick Fitz as the therapy group. Yes. Those were our character actors. <laughs> Weren't they? <laughs> yes. So Landon, who is your uh, who you know? So who who are those who are those is your top? Who is your favorite one? Yeah, don't. I'm not going to well, ask who do, your top yeah. was. Let's let's do let's do a little runner up first. Okay. Um, and I think I've got a. I, I, at first, I thought we were going to choose the same person, and then I thought about it longer and changed my answer. Yeah. Uh, because I I I don't know. My runner up is actually Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both were going in the same direction, and then I think we both recognized what we were going to do, and I think we both jerked the steering wheel away at the last second. <laughs> we can't let our opinion of Janine Garofalo cloud the, you know, a, an unbiased opinion of who yeah. a good character actor was. So she she's uh, one of two runner-ups I have for this, uh, this choice. Uh, the other is Larry Hankin, because I think that they both bring an interesting kind of energy to the show that hasn't been there before. I like, as I kind of mentioned in our takeaways about their, them introducing characters that, um, uh, particularly female characters that have a slightly different perspective. Um, the fact that she could be on there as like a sex positive, uh, character that isn't, you know, painted out to be, you know, kind of a, a slutty harlot or whatever, the way that they typically, you know, put, People who have, you know, like I'm thinking the the flirting episode mm-hmm. where the woman that Jill's up against is like just painted out to be she'll do anything to get the the job. Yeah. Whereas whereas Janine, this is like she'll do anything to get the drummer, basically. <laughs> exactly. And they they play it with a little more character and embrace that. And I thought it was, uh, you know, and she's she brings a lot to it. And I think Larry Hankin brings um, an interesting kind of uh, offbeatness to his role, intentionally so. Uh, for the Halloween episode, there's like a little bit of menace to it, uh, but he's also playing a character within a character, um, which is an, a big ask for someone just stepping into a single serve role. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, they, they, it, it does a lot to kind of make the world feel more real when somebody can come into a small role like this and bring so much of their relationship with the tailors into into it, like the notion yeah. of 
this is what I have. This is what Tim's Halloween guy is like, and this is the these are the things that he asks him to do. Yeah. Um. So my runners up, uh, Janine Garofalo, for the reasons that we've mentioned, she's great. She does a great mm-hmm. job with it. Ultimately, yeah. that's not the best one of the season, but she nearly got there on charisma alone. Um. I I love Harry Groner as Fred the producer. I really mm-hmm. I I think that um I I love that Tool Time's producer is this cowardly nervous wreck who's a total pushover. <laughs> it just and the and him constantly letting Tim down is hilarious to me. I love seeing Tim be frustrated and seeing uh Harry uh be or see Fred the producer be upset about it. Uh I had a thought about him uh after we recorded that episode which is do you think this is this is a grunt work callback. Oh boy. Do you think that uh, he could have possibly... Do you think Fred could possibly have been Jerry? Which one is Jerry? The, the Jerry is oh. the character that we created that stood off oh. to the side of Tool Time and watched the show. With, with the shades? Uh, with the shades. The, the guy that we, we theorized went off into the distance on a drug bender. I, I think that... You know what? I, I like that idea. He went off into the distance <laughs> on a drug bender, and then he came back, and he's out of rehab, and now he's just jittery and hooked on cigarettes and trying to... <laughs> Trying to stay clean when really any anyone would tell him, "Hey, if you wanna if you wanna break your old habits, you should not go back to your old very stressful job." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I well, anyway, I like that was I, yeah season one or two bit that we did. I, I like him much better than the occasional uh, just suited off screen presence standing by the TV monitor. I think Fred is a much <laughs> much better character. Uh, last runner up, Eric Syatt, the hotel concierge in Cleveland. Oh. Uh, I love Landon that we've pulled out a bit that no one in the chat can remember. That is how deep of a cut this is. It's a cut so deep it will never heal, and we're going to bleed out right here on the air. I mean, it makes me feel better that we're not doing permanent brain damage to people. I I know <laughs> they they are able to forget. Yeah, this okay. Well, everyone who is everyone who has uh, chimed in that they can't remember this bit is now forfeiting their right for the class action suit. Uh, so but yeah, Eric Sy at the hotel concierge in Cleveland. Um. I love that he is this hotel concierge who is incredibly proud of two things, Cleveland area tourist attractions and the uh, Cajun hot fries he put in the vending machine. Yeah. That he wants everyone to know he put Cajun hot fries in the vending machine. Maybe that maybe that's more of a writing thing than a performance thing. I don't know. I love that bit. I thought, I'm not going to lie, I thought that's who you were going to pick as your favorite for the season. Wow, okay, okay, respect. I mean, I liked him a lot, but my favorite for the season is Mitch Rouse as rob brad's boss oh now that's a surprise okay because look that episode that episode is a great episode i was looking back at my notes i said that episode was better than some fraser episodes i still stand by that uh this is uh, (laughs) a working man blues where job uh, where job gets a brad at the uh at the sporting goods uh (laughs) as one mark uh but he um, he brings so much depth to a character who we only meet once. Rob, absolute for that episode to work as well as it does, we have to buy as an audience that Rob is the coolest dude in the world because why else would Brad want to suddenly yeah. be a responsible working man when all he likes is fast cars and girls? And He's so cool, I bet he wears uh, a helmet and pads when he goes out skateboarding. I, I mean, when he plays Blade Warriors, he is the safest, <laughs> uh, the safest adult man on the block, uh, completely body-slamming children. Um, but I, you know, so he just, he does a lot with, with a role that is small and also that, you know, he has this hilarious, uh, interplay with his goth sister, which I like. And I just totally buy that this character is the sort of guy who could transform Brad into a workaholic peace at skipping monster. So, so that's my boy. It's Mitch Rouse. Congratulations, Mitch. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Woo. 
Um, I guess I should have mentioned Holly as well as a uh, kind of a runner up for me. I mean, she's kind of a, a nothing in terms of the the you know season or even that episode, but she just brings an energy that I liked so much to it. But um, yeah, I guess uh, that's all you need to say about that. Yeah, uh, my winner for uh, best character actor, I think, really isn't any surprise because. Um, might be the character actor that's made me laugh the most, which is Drew Carey mm. as uh, Cy, the roadkill <laughs> um, uh, cleaner-upper It's a v- on the Totally Tool Time episode. It's a very weird bit that he's doing. It's a very yes. wild and offbeat character that he plays, that kind of silent yeah. staring at the camera. And and how much his character is is letting Tim down, too, kind of like Fred. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the the weirder it gets uh, and the fact that we talked about it a little bit at the time, Drew Carey has a way of playing things that like, you know, almost looks like he's about to crack, but it, instead of it feeling cheap, it kind of feels like it's bringing you in on the joke. Yeah. Or at least that's how I feel about it. So um, I don't know. It just his his uh, rant about Paul Newman having a good shovel uh <laughs> In Cool Hand Luke, just is still one of the funniest lines to me. Um, so, I think it's a it's a good combination of writing and Drew Carey bringing you know his Drew Careyness to it that uh, that makes it work for me. He, would you say he carries that scene? Um, I I would. Yeah, I would say that he he did a <laughs> he did a guest spot on a King of the Hill episode around the same time that I rewatched recently, where he plays yeah. a guy who maybe maybe you saw this episode. He plays a dude who uh, Hank Hill meets at the hardware store who is basically exactly like Tim, drives the same truck, also loves propane and propane accessories. Mm-hmm. And they are sort of... They're, you mean Hank? Yeah, like Hank. Did I say Tim? <laughs> you said Tim. I said Tim. Well, look, I'm talking about two shows about manly dudes. Um, yeah. But, it's, yeah, it's this guy who Hank meets who's so, who's almost exactly like him. But, uh, you know, but it's Drew Carey doing just a very, again, very subdued, very subtle character. And animation obviously is a little different, but he's just very good at, like, coming into a role and not having to be huge and be over the top. He's just very mellow. He plays it cool and is is somehow all that much funnier for it. He has a lot of faith in just letting the material work, I think. Yeah, it makes me want to watch the Drew Carey show. Um, I just don't know where to access that. I'll have to take a look at it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he Mason says that he appeared at the 20, uh, 2001 Royal Rumble. Uh, I might have to look into that. <laughs> also, also a very understated kind of quiet performance that relies on uh, silence for comedy. I'm sure. <laughs> wow, he was an he was an entrant. In, <laughs> he was an, he was in the Royal Rumble match. Okay, I have to see this. I, I that's what I'm doing with the rest of my evening. We're, we're, um, get, we need to have an emergency guest spot from the Tope Suicida Boys to uh, to talk about that. <laughs> Great, great. Uh, and a special thanks to them for appearing uh, as guests this season. Yes. Um, Favorite guest stars okay, from the season? Move... Tope Suicida Boys. Let's move on to our next one, which is the best recurring actor. This is yes. a somewhat new category. This is uh, characters that have uh, been with us that aren't main characters, but um, have been with us for a few seasons now. So uh, here's the quick list of these. Uh, William O'Leary as Marty. Marty. Um, Blake. Uh, Clark as Harry, Jim Laboria as Benny, Shirley Prestia as Dolores, Sherry Hersey as Eileen, Tammy Lauren uh, knew this season as Patty, Jill's best friend, um, Jill's sisters, uh, Charlene uh, Watkins, Mary, Mary Edith Burrell and Tootie Roche, uh, Chris and Clayton as Angela, Courtney Peldon as Lauren, pa- Polly Holiday as uh, Lillian, Jill's mom, 
uh, Gerard Paul as Senator Jason, Woo. as we love to call him, Charles Robinson as Bud, Alec Fan as Felix the Plumber, and Vasily Bogazianos. Wow. These these as Antonio the Waiter. These actors really gave you a run for your money. Hey, big big hand, uh, big hand for Landon, everybody. F in the chat to, to show respects for Landon. Uh, Who are your runners up for this season? Uh, so Vasily Bogazianos. Okay, was a runner up. Because uh, I my my choice from last season. Yeah, I yeah I know. I'm I'm I guess I'm getting his sloppy seconds. He's not my he's not my number. Well, one. I chose him as character actor last season. It's I think that. He was such a fan favorite that they brought him back for two episodes this season. He's graduated up. I look forward to his three episodes next season. Uh, if we continue, <laughs> you know, the show has less and less grunting over time, more and more Vasily Bogazianos over time. I love it. Uh, I love a good snooty waiter, and uh, I and especially his line in uh, in the last episode, "Ah, never a dull moment at table seven is just <laughs> is just funny. It's just good. Um, I got I got two more runners up. What do you got? Um, runners up, uh, big surprise. Cause, um, I, I think I picked her. I think we both picked her. Uh, Shirley Prestia, yep. uh, is my, my first runner yep. up this time. Uh, I picked her as my favorite last time, but, um, big Dolores energy BDE. I it's, <laughs> that's what she it improves for. every episode that she's in. Uh, she's just so good at playing everything. I don't know. I, I love, I don't know. I love her gruffy, no take no shit attitude. I, yeah, uh, agreed. She's on my list. She was my next choice as well. In fact, um, also this season is the first time we see Happy Dolores. We see her smiling and being nice right. to Tim when it seems like yeah. he's going to heal that familial rift, and that is some range. <laughs> well, yeah, I certainly, yeah. I mean, granted, the show might not give her range uh, previously, but um, just. Based on the level of her performance, I know that she has it. Oh yeah, yeah, she's at home on the range. Um, <laughs> so uh, my my last runner up then, uh, since we got a two for there, is uh, Gerard yeah. Paul as Senator Jason. I just I just always love his bit, and this season it's even better because we get his creepy machinations towards Lauren, and then we also see him wow. skeeving uh, around the uh, the sporting goods store where Brad is working. I I'm nervous. I like I'm 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 very. I'm anticipating your answer for your your pick because I thought Gerard Paul would have been your boy. I know. I thought you would have carried him through to the winner's circle. Uh, maybe you're finding, Landon, that I'm not quite as shallow as I very clearly am. Maybe there is a minor <laughs> divot in this big, wide, reflecting pool that is my opinions on Home Improvement episodes. <laughs> maybe. Well, um, I have one more runner-up, which is uh, the introduction of Tammy Lauren uh, as Patty, Jill's best friend. Mm -hmm. I think she is... Uh, she's, she's got a personality. She brings something to what would have, uh, you know, I think otherwise be a kind of thankless role. Yes. She has just an energy that balances Jill really well, and it doesn't hurt that she's one of uh, uh, horror films' fun, best final I think you. I think you put your thumb on the scales a little bit because of the horror movie connection, if I may. I mean, I guess she's not your, yeah, she's not your number maybe. one. But yeah, you've got that right. You've got that right. Put thumbs on scales. <laughs> But I mean, you know, in my son, the driver, I think she she does a great job at at filling out, uh, you know, that character and and you know balancing Jill's kind of chaotic energy. True, true. No, no, that uh, that episode which we will talk about and playing off of Tim. Yes, right. Yeah, and playing off of playing off of her boyfriend liking Tim and showing her right. increasing horror at the concept of who she's dating. <laughs> um, well, look, my my number one first great great choices. All of your choices, I respect your choices. My number one. Oh, thank you, sir. Is William O'Leary as Marty, 
because oh wow I, okay i just every time i see him on screen there's not one any one specific like super standout amazing performance from him every time i see him on screen i am always excited i am always watching he's just him. a constantly good performer he, he just always brings the same level of quality i think i don't think you know marty's character at least from the get-go i think kind of underwritten just like yeah he's he's tim's mm-hmm. brother and he's tim's little brother and marty brings so much to it and now i think that the writers are writing to uh, william o'leary's talents as an actor but yeah i don't know you get so much about him just from his like i know the kind of person he is from the way he acts uh, which I think is a very strong performance. So yeah, it's boring. I know that I have a thing, and that's that I like Tim's <laughs> younger brother more than I like Tim, or that I like every character on this show more than I like Tim. Well, he brings out he brings out a more playful version of Tim as well. Yes. Like, uh, so I think he just improves the show in in many ways whenever he makes an appearance, and I'm glad that. Uh, they decided to kind of like make him one of the guys. Yes, you know, um, I'm actually surprised he wasn't uh, in Wilson's world when he when Wilson decides to, um, you know, be more like Tim. Yeah, that's actually odd that he's not there. I guess maybe because <laughs> Marty's Marty is too nice and he wouldn't he wouldn't like storm out as soon as Wilson started talking during the game. But maybe yeah, but, a little harder to to tolerate. But yeah. Marty is kind of a dick. I don't know. Maybe he just wasn't available that day. He's not. I don't know. I mean, he's not a dick, really, so much as, like, he plays the, like, just exhausted adulthood yeah. version of, of you know, Tim, where Tim just gets, you know, uppity about it. Uh, Marty is more just like, I don't know. I'm... <sighs> What does it matter? I've, I'm tired. I've got, I've got two baby girls. I, I can't. I can't do anything right now. Come, twins co- coming to this um, coming to this hardware store and eating a free donut is the only good thing that happens in my day. Um, Landon, what's even if I have to endure Benny for it? Yeah. Yes. Um, that's that's how desperate he is. What's your number one, Landon? I'll tell you. I had um, I had Tammy Lauren pegged as my winner going into the final few episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, it turned around for me. Yeah. From from. A winner that uh, my choice is someone that I didn't even think I would pick, which is Courtney Peldon uh, as Lauren, Randy's girlfriend. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a really good pick. We have two main episodes, and she makes a few other appearances throughout this season where uh, she has to match Randy's energy. And not only that, but she has to, like, as a performer, match Jonathan Taylor Thomas's, like, nuclear uh, level level yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that, especially in the kiss and the kiss off, the final episode, like she cements herself as someone who can go toe to toe with him. Like I believe that they're a couple that you know should be together, that can be together. I mean, it's believable, and um, you know, she brings an intelligence to it that makes it believable that she would be on the paper with him. Uh, all for you know a twelve-year-old or thirteen-year-old. I, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I think that she is very... I'm choosing my words carefully because I'm an adult man on a podcast talking about a young... Okay. She she convey, like she conveys very well that kind of cool girl who you have a crush on energy. And I'm not saying oh, sure, yeah. I have a crush on the 13-year-old girl. I'm just saying she... To, like, watching her interact with Randy is making me remember, like, man, I remember in middle school when girls that I liked were cool. <laughs> You're allowed to have memories of feelings. I, 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 am, am I, though? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to have the feelings in the first place. I don't I don't think oh, okay. memories of right. them is, is bad. We do live... I live in an yeah. equilibrium universe. That's what we're doing out here in... Uh, 
in California. Christian Bale, a very young Christian Bale, is going to come and and uh, do weird uh, uh, gun parkour to kill me for feeling. I just, uh, you know, I don't know. I think she, you know, that's a very good choice, and I think that that's a great, uh, that's a great number one. Landon is paralyzed with laughter at a not super funny just, thing. You, you really snuck in there with an equilibrium joke. <laughs> And I was not expecting that. Mo- that movie was the ultimate movie of of high schoolers who wanted to seem intellectual for watching a pretty dumb action movie. And I say that as a person who was like, "Hey, have you seen that movie Equilibrium? It really makes you think." <laughs> like, like what? Like, like, oh, what, like what if the real villain was feelings all along? Um, <laughs> no, but I think that's a, I think that's a very good choice because you're totally right. She comes in without very much runway and immediately has to match. America's favorite boy and does a really mm-hmm. good job. And like by the end of it, I'm rooting yeah. for them to get together because she matches his kind of confidence and uh uh je ne sais quoi. Randy say quoi. Randy well, I'll ask him to say quoi next time I see him. Um So that has been our favorite recurring <laughs> I, actor. I just left you hanging. I'm sorry. I just had no idea how to respond. Those were our favorite uh, actors. Favorite actors. Let's go to our favorite moment oh, uh, from the season. This was hard. Oof. This was a, a real hard one because there's a lot of amazing moments. Even in the bad episodes, there's great moments. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. And even looking over the ones that I've picked, there's no, I mean, I'm there. I know I'm missing so many because I can't remember every. Yeah. Mo- likewise. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Um, um, well, you, you've been going first. I'll throw yeah, a few yeah, out first. Yeah. Throw some uh, stuff out first. Uh, Wilson's turn as Dr. Giggles. Yep. Um, yep. Just weird. I mean, it speaks right to me. Yeah. <laughs> Dream logic, horror film stuff. Um, to see when outside of a dream, are you going to be able to see the character of Wilson just crack up like that? Yeah. Uh, never. I don't know. It was, it was such a weird fever dream of a moment that um, I just, I loved it. Uh, no surprise as I picked him for my, um, uh, character actor uh, Drew Carey on Totally Tool Time. Mm-hmm. That whole segment with him was just really, really funny to me. Um, a few other epi- moments in that episode of, uh, <laughs> well, not not the man's gym, but no. some other stuff in the <laughs> dealing with uh, you know the behind the scenes stuff and some of the the slaps that happens with the uh, potential investors uh, t- was funny. Totally Tool Time really is kind of a study in contrast. It has some real lows and some yeah. real highs in that same episode. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, and then you know the the 3D stuff um, is also just like from fe- the feminine mistake the when they're talking about picnics and bringing the sandwich out and, oh um, yeah I know whoa also whoa. It, it, you know I just watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three um, Happy Halloween recently and after that episode and it reminded me of watching the 3D stuff and I'm like oh that was that was good I mean they they knew exactly how to parody that. Um, 3d gag so uh i love it yeah i can see i can see that the home improvement crew in particular with doing all the visual gags that they did and special effects that they did i can see a lot of those people being big 3d movie heads from back in the day <laughs> yeah uh so i mean some from mine uh family unties obviously um the concierge where they're at the convention yes right? but yeah where the con yes concierge being so proud of the cajun hot fries like i mentioned mm-hmm. um the uh 
in in taps which is not a super funny episode necessarily but when brad arrives and jill asks oh did you guys iron your shirts and brad just goes you've been through enough let's not talk about the shirts <laughs> and, and then to continue with this with this brad festival in something old or someone blue when jill comes in in her very old timey like hoop skirt bridesmaids dress and brad goes mom the civil war is over just <laughs> just great two brad lines in a row from you uh, yeah you know just you know throwing that throwing that out there um uh what, what, what else what else you got what what else what else you feeling uh you know there's um a number of moments in the uh halloween episode i thoroughly enjoy that there's something that never gets old to me about um Oh yeah, I forgot. Mason uh, reminded me of one of my favorite lines of the the series, where in the background, after the mosquitoes in Family Unties, yeah. uh, after the mosquitoes get uh, start swarming everyone, you just hear Al in the background go, "This is a disaster." <laughs> that's that's the new. I don't think so, Tim. Is this is a disaster? I also watched uh, uh, Dirty Work after Norm Macdonald passed, and uh, because that's what that moment reminded me of was a um, uh, a scene in that that always cracked me up, and that scene still cracked me up. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that just someone screaming a line that's so on the <laughs> nose in the background is kind of an eighty-yard line uh, is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, the Halloween episode. The uh, the head but bursting through a wall bit i feel like they've done that a couple seasons now yeah. they just keep trying to get a little more creative with it um but it's still like i don't know watching al jump at that is still funny and then always watching how he gets back at tim is always a, a favorite of mine oh yeah yeah it's it's why it's why halloween is the is the christmas of home improvement <laughs> well I think Christmas is the Christmas. I guess they, I guess they but. do Christmas episodes every year, but, but, yeah. but deep down, you know, which one they like more. Don't tell God. Uh, indeed. Uh, and so I'll tell you what my winner is. Yeah. My, my number one pick for favorite moment. Um, you know, by the end of the season, it was really, uh, it was really trying to plan our emotional harpsichord. And, um, it got me quite a few times in Family Unties, uh, at the end when they are, Jill especially is lamenting uh, the kind of empty, lamenting. the beginning of empty nest syndrome. Yeah. Um, and Tim comes in to play that as well uh, with her. I thought it was a great moment between the two of them um, that had, you know, some levity to it, but also was dealing with some pretty unique um, things that other shows don't touch on. Yeah. Uh, the complexities of the that emotional experience of you know, letting go of your kids and, and realizing you're no longer going to be the most important person in their lives. Yeah. Um, and it started, you know, the first of two God tier performances by Patricia Richardson. Um, it would be, you know, I'd be hard pressed not to, to mention, you know, what she was bringing to the table in taps, but, um, there was just something about the, the joint effort between watching Tim and Jill, like have to, they go through the moments separately themselves mm -hmm. You know, with Brad walking away from Tim at a point and, you know, all the kids walking away from Jill and then coming together at the end. And you kind of get the sense, even though they don't say it outright, that like this is where the 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 good of their marriage comes out because it's like, well, we're going to have to go through this, but at least we still have each other and we still want, you know, we still love each other and want to be with each other. So, yeah. And then they it's it's the the first and maybe only earned 
let's end this episode with sex yeah <laughs> moment <laughs> the the only time i'm actually happy to happy to see that happen the only time tim earns his <laughs> somersault contest um yeah and more and more evidence of the the thing that the show does well which is tim you know being enthusiastic to be married to jill you know sometimes yeah. more so than others um <laughs> yeah i i've got i've got just two other stupid runners up that are maybe not good on their okay. own legs, but got into my dumb brain. Uh, who, cool. Whose car is it anyway? Tim driving the Austin Healy around the streets of uh, Royal Oak going, cool, blimey, I'm falling in love with a Brit. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just, that's just in my head. And like Tim, like, you know, jerking back and forth as he, as right. he voiceovers it. Big increase in voiceover this season, by the way. Again, yes, decrease indeed. in grunts, increase in voiceover. Um <laughs> And then Jill and her sisters. Um, okay, so uh, yeah. recently I've had a huge number of ants in my house, which is not okay at all. They're in they're in bathrooms. They're in the kitchen. <laughs> I've been putting out yeah. so many ant traps, and the ants will swarm them. And then the next day they'll be gone. And then two days later they'll be back, and they'll be gone. They just thousands of generations of ants dying from the. What, ant are, what are you putting in the when, in those ant traps? Is it like? Dishes of uh, hard candy and uh, gossip about somebody's uh, child getting into Harvard. I, I, <laughs> no, I mean what I'm what I'm putting in there. Well, I mean, when I didn't get your joke, I was going to say I was putting ant meth in there because the ants seem to be loving it so much and coming back. I think what I'm actually putting in there are free tickets uh, to how the movie How to Make an American Quilt because uh, my ants went nuts for that movie. Um, okay. Anyway, <laughs> That's a very specific uh, answer. Uh, answer. I'll thank you to remember. Um, I won't. The point is, every, don't thank me. Every I'm time, not going to remember. every time I walk into a room of my house and see it absolutely swarmed with ants, I just, for whatever reason, flash back to the moment in Jill and her sisters where Tim walks in wearing a mosquito net and he goes, "It's for mosquitoes," but I'm also hoping it protects against ants. <laughs> I just that is not a funny bit, but the delivery is so good, and also he does it with a smile on his face, so it doesn't seem angry. I love it. It's really yeah. great. Um, Why didn't they bring that mosquito suit out for the convention? That would have been... Were they foreshadowing? Oh, they were foreshadowing a thing that they weren't going to prepare for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that is the that is the tool time hallmark. Uh, no. Uh, we, we've hit the two-hour two mark, so I'm reaching, I'm grasping yeah. at uh, the straws and Okay, yes, the, the two-hour mark, and that means I should just hurry up and say my favorite bit, which is family unties... <laughs> Tim turns on all of the uh, high-powered fans, and they start blowing all the shredded newspaper, and the guys toupee and Al all over the place. The hardest I've ever laughed at an episode of Home Improvement, and I like that your favorite (laughs) moment and my favorite moment came from the same episode and are polar opposites of each other in terms of their seriousness and emotional resonance. (laughs) (sighs) That's why we have a robust uh, podcast. Truman. That's that's what all the i that's what all the iTunes reviews are saying. This is the most robust home improvement podcast I've ever listened to. Uh, okay, do we want to move on to our next Truman. robust segment, Landon? It is time for the best picture category. That's right. That's that's robust drum roll. <laughs> Favorite episode. Now I'm not going to go through the list of all 25 episodes, but um, let me give you. Uh, I'm just going to give you two runners up. Okay. Even though there, as we mentioned, there's so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to give you three because um, I feel like it needs to be in there. I'll start with uh, Family Unties. Mm. I feel like mm-hmm. that that needs to be a good runner Surprise. up. We both mentioned why it's why it's good. Surprise. Um, my other two though are uh, 
others that I've talked about this uh, episode, so I won't go too deep into them. They're both uh, just kind of fun episodes. One is uh, totally tool time. Mm-hmm. I like that it's more of a conceptual episode. That we're almost not in the house at all, and when we are, we're talking about tool time. Mm-hmm. And we really get to see behind-the-scenes stuff on tool time that we've never seen before. Yeah. The production hallways, the... Uh, tool time theme song yeah. uh, that we get to see for the first time ever blew my mind. Um, so I don't know. That one was uh, really fun. I liked how that was constructed. And I liked the kind of like chaos behind the, you know, it almost had a noises off energy to it, which is one of my favorite uh, stage farces. Yeah. Um, the other one was I was a teenage tailor. Mm, uh, I wow. thought that was a pretty fun. It was, Maybe. I am a little biased because it was a return to the Halloween episode, which I feel like we haven't had in two seasons. Yeah, but that episode also has a lot of really hysterically funny just reactions of Tim and Jill wearing like chicken and egg egg costumes just staring at the camera. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the closest we got to a Halloween episode uh, in season five was Let Them Eat Cake when we only got uh, Richard Karn wearing a mouse costume. Yeah. So it wasn't really a Halloween episode. They even had a party in that. Brad had, uh, we both Jason. chose that as our favorite last oh, season. Oh, we did, didn't we? But they, they had a, uh, Brad had a party, but it wasn't a costume party. So I feel like we, we've been deprived a little bit for the last couple seasons to get it all to come back and to see them, you know, Tim and Jill wearing different costumes throughout the course of the episode and, um, that it was all based on a big prank. I like big prank episodes. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. That had had really good energy to me, um, and I thought it was a great return to the Halloween episode. But I'm going to wait to tell you what my winner is till you tell me your winner. Wow, I got to gotta show mine first. Uh, Landon, if you like episodes where people play big pranks on each other, might I recommend every sitcom? Because I feel like that is a hallmark... <laughs> At some point of every show, the episode that is just everyone on the show playing an elaborate prank on one character that takes their entire day. Um, Okay. It is is my favorite part of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. (laughs) Uh, My favorite part of The Wire. Very strange episode. Um, Okay, first runner-up for me, Working Man Blues. Uh, Brad working at the uh, sporting goods store with a super cool manager. it's just a solid It episode. is so good. It is tightly written. It is hilarious. It puts Brad front and center in a really interesting way, and it grapples with um, a kind of interesting idea of masculinity that I think Tim Allen feels passionately about, which is the notion of a teenager learning the value of a hard day's work, but then balancing yep. that with being a good student. And I think that it, I think it, it takes a really interesting look at that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and so it's and also they set up a really compelling premise for a workplace sitcom in one episode. Like this would be a great backdoor pilot for a show about a bunch of wacky people working at a uh, sporting goods store. Sports goods store, yeah. Um, so second runner-up, uh, Family Unties. Uh, okay. I I mean for all the reasons we've said, this episode had it all. It's emotional weight, great pacing, some of the funniest slapstick moments on the entire show, and solid writing yep. across the board. Um, and performances, for sure. And performances, yes. God forbid, I should. I, I wouldn't want to forget the performances. Uh, so, shall I just do it? Do it? Shall I just drop my number one then? That, yeah, drop it. We, drop we, it. Like we, Weird way to put it. My number one is my son, the driver. Oh the, wow! The episode okay. where where Jill and and Tim go out to dinner with friends on uh, the same night yeah. that Brad is taking the car out for the first time. Uh, this episode does something that um, a home improvement episode really hasn't done before. It's that it's it surprised me. It uh, it like I, oh that's right. Well, this this season surprised you a few times. It did surprise uh, me a few times. 
That one and and um, the wedding episode where it didn't end the way you thought it would. I did, okay, you're right. Okay, I guess I've been surprised a couple times by Home Improvement. This one surprised me in a in a more narratively satisfying way. I, I okay. So uh, first, I mean, the episode's just set up brilliantly with them going over to dinner and Jill's anxiety increasing, and we see them. You know, they're having cocktails and she's freaking out, and then they're dinner and she's freaking out more, and then it's right. dessert and she's even more freaked out, and it's kind of building this tension between her and Tim and. There are both laughs made about how over-the-top Jill is being, and then Jill is able to shoot back at Tim and say, well, don't belittle me for this. Like, don't minimize this. So they actually, I think Jill holds her own very well. But then... But she is kind of overreacting. She is kind of overreacting. But then, twist, we find out, oh, shit, she she was right to be worried because Brad did get in a car crash. And then halfway through the episode, I'm thinking, okay, we're done. Instead, we find out, oh, shit, Brad was lying to them. And then we kind of flip everything. Then we change perspective to Brad. And then we're in this pressure cooker with Brad feeling all this guilt. And it becomes this very interesting morality play that's completely unexpected. And uh, with with a, a nice uh, through line of Randy taking advantage of Brad, uh, you know, taking him into his confidence. I thought that was a, a fun game. Uh, a real. Uh, yeah. Real serial killer shit. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a beautiful return to form. But yeah, I just thought it was very, uh, very tightly scripted, very well written and um, took me on an interesting journey where I was both feeling Jill's anxiety for Brad, and then when we were with Brad, I was feeling Brad's rising anxiety of being caught in a lie and not wanting to let his parents down. So, my son, the driver, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Brava. Good choice, Yes, that's going to fuck up my recording. That was another solid episode, for sure. Yeah, and in a season replete with them. What's your number one, Landon? I showed you yours. Now you show me mine. Wait. That's (laughs) That's not how that works. Um, My choice... uh, it was a journey to get to this choice. I'll tell you that. Uh, there's so many good options this season, but um, I think for the sheer uh, fact that it, it was brave enough to be different, that it went there. Um, Workshop till you drop. Oh God, no. <laughs> uh, taps. Yeah. Yeah. Taps. Uh, you know, I. it was... I mean, I, there's not much to say about it than we didn't say in the episode ad nauseum. It was just like uh, really, really heart wrenching performance from from Patricia Richardson, and I think I said this in the episode, but what really struck me about it was that it's so simply written, yes. and just handed to the performers, yes. Like they knew the talent they had on their hands that they didn't want. They didn't like I could have easily seen this in season four being an episode where the colonel dies and uh, it happens to be on the same weekend that, you know, like Chicago Hope. Uh, yeah. You know, instead of a, a romantic weekend, it's that Jill's dad has died and it ha- happens to take place at the same hotel where Tim needs to convince a buyer to come in to, you know, swoop in for tool time. Or, or or the funeral is in the same town as like a dirt bike race that Tim really wants to go to. So there's all these shots <laughs> right. of him showing up at the funeral covered in mud with the boys. <laughs> Right, yeah. So the fact that they didn't do that and allowed it to be a dramatic episode with, you know, some levity and laughs in it. Um the two L's. I don't know, it just it really worked on me. Yeah. Um I think it's going to be one that I remember uh long after the, season, the series is done. Um I don't know, there's just like some really personal touches in it uh and 
don't know. I just I, I think it's the best writing the show's done so far. Yeah, it, it had it had a, a level of depth. Again, a surprising episode. Okay, I was surprised by every episode this season. I guess is what I'm finding <laughs> out. I'm like a baby. I have no object permanence. I I get surprised very easily. But it had it had a, a deal of. Uh, a great deal of depth, the likes of which we've not seen yeah. before on Home Improvement, and that we see not just in Jill's response, but just even from the boys. Randy yeah. not knowing why he's joking around about the death, and Tim applying his ex- expertise as someone who lost his father at an early age to kind of keep the family yeah. together. It, it, it puts everybody on new ground. Yeah. The boys were an interesting uh, prism to look at that through where, you know, you had different responses to it. You did have Randy making jokes through it. Uh, Brad was just kind of like nervous and confused and trying to process it. And Mark was like very sensitive and and lashing out at the smallest thing and Tim trying to mediate that. And as you said, it it was very interesting to see Tim as like a a sort of grief savant. Yes. Um, The rain man of grief. And. It, it's believable, you know, based on the the backstory of the character. So I don't know. It just there nothing felt contrived, and I felt like it's a testament to the whole show up to this point that they were able to rely on the character, rely on the performers, and just kind of write something simple but powerful and hand it off. Yeah, yeah. I again, and I think that's the beauty of of a show being on this long is that. Ideally, the crew and the cast begin to kind of trust each other and, you know, the writers know what they can expect from the actors and can uh, can can give them big, meaty morsels of, uh, of acting like this. Meaty morsels. Big, meaty morsels. It's in that uh, touching moment... <laughs> And move into our death match. I was I was thinking I was thinking about the the sandwich truck I want to open. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the MVP debate. Here we are again, S- sir. Step in the Thunderdome. <laughs> it's it's the most it's the most polite way of of inviting me in. Two two men enter and you know maybe both men leave if they agree enter an agreement. <laughs> um. I guess I'll start by saying that. Uh, we are on the heels of season five, the winner being Earl Hinman. Yep. Uh, might be the only debate in my lifetime I've ever won. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect to win a second time. I'm a pushover. Um, but I also think we might be, uh, we might agree and be in agreement on this one. Really? Wow. You, us of all of all people, the two the two most <laughs> agreeing podcast hosts there have ever been. Uh, uh, so the way this works is somebody will, will throw someone out, uh, for the chopping block. We discuss whether or not we agree to eliminate or, uh, put them aside to discuss later on. So Truman, I'm going to give you the honors of, uh, putting the first person down. I hate to do this, but I want to put Richard Kern on the chopping block. Let's just not make too big a thing out of it. He, I think, pull the bandaid off. It's, uh, I agree with you. Let's, let's put him down. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, look, Richard Kern's great. We've given him MVP in the past, I think. I'm pretty sure. I don't know yeah. who can remember. Oh, many times. I think I think he's two-time MVP winner. Like, and and he had some great times this season, but this was a yeah. season where a lot of other people stepped up to the plate, and I think that's all there is to say. I mean, look, Richard Carn, you've had more time in the sun than most people. You've had more time at the buffet. Let someone else pig out. He had a great episode with Al's video. Oh. Um, I thought that uh, you know something old, something blue was you know uh, an interesting summation of his time with Eileen. Yes. Um, in my personal life, I give him uh, uh, most valuable person yes uh, award for solving my bird problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's but, a um, that's a Richard Karn thing. That's not a that, well. I mean, that's right. not an Al thing. But okay, I guess you're right. He's yeah, 
that's what I'm saying. In my life, he he's an MVP. Okay, okay. But, well, keep keep um, it on track. I, I agree with you. I hate to do it, but you're right. Let's just get it over with. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we'll, I'll agree to eliminate. Okay. Him. Well, then who you got? Put one on the chopping block now. Um, we're both we're both we're both just moving around. <laughs> this is you get into like hour we're, two. We're dancing like in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, we, yeah, you here. get the Goombas dancing. Yeah, and then they're not, and then somehow that disables them. In the video game, you could just squash them, but in the movie, it's doing this. Earl Hinman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, like, yeah, look, you won, you won it last season, bro. Don't get don't get bent out of shape that you don't get it again this year. I think I'm not. I'm putting him on the job. Uh, that's block. I'm saying. I'm talking to the spirit of Earl Hindman, who presumably has oh, nothing better to do than listen to our podcast and be bent out of shape about uh, his placement. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, like Wilson's world is an interesting episode. I think that we do get some cool yeah. development on Wilson this time around, but just he's not. And look, he has some great moments, but he's not the most valuable player. He's not essential to the show's success. Yeah, right. Uh, I agree. Um, I don't even think there's a big trajectory with his character this season, which is why I picked him last season. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just there to do his thing. And, uh, you know, it's really the I'll say this about him and and the show, what they did with Wilson this season is they got really ambitious with his uh, hide your face sight. Yes, true. Um, It had the worst one, which is just the him walking with the spoon and then switching shoulders, Mm -hmm. which is just lazy. But uh, the one in the diner was uh, oh. just w- s- uh, a majesty of blocking. A, a masterclass uh, in a character always blocking <laughs> the lower half of his face. So many other directors of hiding the lower half of your face gags yeah, have it, studied that scene. It's been done a thousand times, but never quite like Yeah, it's the, it's the opening um, of Boogie Nights of hiding face scenes. <laughs> so uh, I'll say that for him, but I agree. Let's uh, chop no, no, No face hiding gag will be lazier than the one in like season two or three where it's just his full face, but it's painted to look like a zombie. And you're supposed to think that that's, oh, I don't know what he looks like. Oops. Um, so, okay. Next one. Um, I'm sorry. Debbie Dunning. Again, you leprechauned real hard this year. You got a moment in the sun. That's not home improvement. At the end. And you got a moment in the sun at the end of the season. And it was really yeah. great. But and you had a baby yep. this season, and that was cool too. Toolman delivers. Yep. Uh, but just in terms of who is the most valuable to the show, I, I'm you know right now you're not, and that's not uh, that's not any commentary whatsoever on Debbie Dunning's hard work. You know, yeah, I, I do feel like she's cheated a little bit because, as I've mentioned many times in both uh, the Kiss and the Kiss Off and the Toolman delivers, the two ost- ostensibly uh, Heidi episodes. They place it more on Tim mm-hmm. than on on her. Yeah. So, um, I feel like she's a little short shifted. There. Yeah. Shifted, shafted. Uh, no, know short, short shifted, short shifted. Uh, short shifted. I think is even better. A short shift is when your shift is not as long as it normally is, and a short shaft. Well, that's also true. It's <laughs> she. She would have had a longer shift had she had more to do on set. Yeah. True. And and, and a, sh- a short shaft is um. I, I guess uh, someone playing the black private dick who's a sex machine to all the chicks and is like under five feet tall. Um, so, oh, who's 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 your next uh, who's your next what chopping block? I'm, yeah, what are we doing? Oh, let's just get it out of the way. Tim Allen. Yeah. Look, Tim. Tim had a lot of growth this season. Again, we agree and we're in agreement. He did. He, did. he had a lot of growth this season, and that was good. And I mean, he's the MVP in that a lot of these episodes physically would not go forward without him. Like his character needs to be there for that. Yeah. But uh, in terms of who's like, I think 
bringing the most. I, I don't. I don't think it's him. I'm. Uh, and yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, hence, why putting totally him on the chopping time. block. I don't even really have an argument so much as like you know. Um, I mean, you you I listen to this the, podcast. This, you know what you know what our yeah, argument is. But, I mean, to articulate it to do my job a little bit, I would say that th- th- it's almost in the architecture of the show that like the people in his orbit are going to be the ones that have the most interesting, um, you know, characters and, and scenes because they're the ones that have to kind of react to his behavior, which makes it a little more interesting. Yeah. So, um, I know I still don't want to like, just be empirical about him never being MVP, you know, fingers crossed for season seven and eight that, uh, you know, we're really surprised by what he brings to the table, but we're, we're, we're all rooting for you, Tim. (laughs) This is a very interesting... Okay, so just to take stock of where we are, we're halfway through this MVP debate. I don't think we've ever been to this point before where uh, we have Jill and the kids. All three kids are still on the table here. Yes. This is this is wild. It's about to change, though, because I submit Tara Noah Smith uh, to the Midnight Society. I know, and I saved it this long because I know how you get about it. But look, Landon, he's barely in the season. He can't be the MVP. I'm going to tell you, I had... He was my pick for uh, most of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he had some like strong lines in every single episode. They like it was just let's drop Mark in, have him level the playing field with one line, and then get him out of there. <laughs> like have him level the playing field with one karate kick, and then get him out of there. <laughs> per, if you were gauging just on the um, amount of quality or uh uh you know blood you get from a single squeeze of a stone Mm -hmm. mark per his screen time is you cannot top him i mean it's just like he's on screen he delivers something crazy and then gets out yeah like that's him through the whole season he's he's like he's like he's been every every episode that should be about him is taken away from him. Yeah, I mean it's the old, it's like almost a Greek tragedy. It's like he's been cursed to forever be the uh, the greatest part of an episode or the most interesting part of an episode that is then stolen away from him. And then every day, yeah, yeah. every day he is chained to the rock again to have his spleen ripped out once more. So I don't I don't mind eliminating him with the you know being able to say that I I had an argument lined up. That it, he to make for him being the MVP of the season, but um, I think somebody edged him out. Yeah, I so. I would agree. Okay, so who you got next? Because it's really getting down to it. we got JTT, we got ZTB, we got PR, Patricia Richardson, uh, not Puerto Rico. <laughs> Although I mean, Puerto Rico is the most valuable player in so many regards. Um, let's give him statehood, uh, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> gonna put down Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. That's a bold-ass move, sir. Why don't you defend that? Well, th- we're getting down to the point where we only have bold-ass yeah, moves to there's make. there's no other type of ass move. He, This is a huge season for JTT in terms of just his um, his relationship with Lauren is really big. Like, he is at the center of the, uh, the, the yeah. one with the newspaper and the karate kick. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of big Randy moments, and I would say he's definitely a fan favorite. You know, I'll tell you what's interesting. Outside of Heidi, um, I think every single one of these characters gets at least two big episodes this season. And uh, Mark. 
Mark doesn't get... <laughs> Already forgot about yeah, Mark. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> wow. And we literally just talked about him. This would this would upset Mark so much if you listen to our podcast. <laughs> that upsets me because I'm such a champion for him. Um, but yeah, Randy gets two big episodes. Brad gets two big episodes. Wilson gets two big episodes. Uh, uh, Al gets two big episodes. Jill gets two big episodes. So I, I just find that kind of interesting that they are intentionally um giving everybody uh some you know time in the sun yes yes i i mean they're being I, again when you when your show has been on for this long almost by necessity you have to start kind of uh exploring your other characters and like yeah. well okay we've yeah. done everything we can with the main ones how can we loop a new person in here and give them you know give them some spotlight yeah um but yeah I, there's nothing wrong with randy at all i think he you know is great um i think jonathan taylor thomas brings his usual class to the role um so i have nothing against him at all i have no argument against him except that i i think that we've got uh some more interesting performances to talk about uh, we we know that there's nothing wrong with randy we found it out last season in the longest day he just has That's to right. take a yeah, pill every day negative. because of his uh his weird <laughs> thyroid thing um okay Hard-ass choices. You got to throw someone down. Patricia Richardson. I'm going to kick you in the balls. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> I would kick myself in the balls if I could. Maybe I maybe I could find yeah. a way. Uh, this hurts to do after the season she's had. We also can't give her MVP every year, even though we as much as we'd want to. She's only won it once before. True. True. And I know that we... Look, she's great. She's she she has a really great and a really powerful season. I'm just saying there's uh-huh. someone else there's someone else who really surprised me. So maybe this is more of a most improved category and less of a most valuable player. Mm. Uh I don't know. I mean, as much as I love the taps and the family unties and the my son the driver, I, I think the spotlight shines elsewhere because a lot of those seasons uh have some pretty stellar performances by another cast member. Well, okay, before we eliminate her, let's make the case uh, for for Brad. Yeah, Zachary Ty Bryan, who's my choice for the MVP. Uh, this is his season to shine. Working Man Blues, that that is an episode that turns on him. Uh, and, Absolutely. And as well as My Son, the Driver, my favorite episode of the season. Uh, so, so much rests on him in episodes like that where you have to see this complexity of like him him finding a new father figure in Rob at the store and yeah. him going through this transformation of like hey I really care about my job so much that I'm going to neglect my schoolwork especially when Brad has previously been so proud of him self becoming a better student and getting getting better about his studies and everything and then turning away from that um and I mean uh my son the driver is like it's this is the heat stroke getting to me. It's like a Tolstoy novel. It's like crime and punishment or whatever. I don't know. Or the pit and the pendulum. It's like a, it's like a Poe novel, but him, him under this pressure of knowing that he's lied to his parents and not wanting to keep deceiving them. I, that's a level of performance that I've not seen from Zachary Ty Bryan. That's a level of depth that I haven't seen in, uh, Brad's character much on the show. And I really like it. I, I'm, I think, I think he's my MVP (laughs) because some of my favorite episodes simply could not function without him. Um, I agree. I totally agree with you. We're in um, agreement. <laughs> you heard it here I mean, first. I, it's it's hard to refute any of that. I and I even agree with your most improved player uh, uh, assessment. And I, I would give him the the award if it were that most improved player. Yeah. Um, but most valuable player. I mean, I don't think Brad's nervousness in that episode would be as effective if it weren't for Jill's uh, 
um, you know, nervousness and and uh, pressure that she puts on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that in you know, I think that he has become an improved performer in terms of you know, a they they've solidified his character. Um, as someone had mentioned in uh, who was Austin mm. in the uh, uh, takeaways that he's become kind of a Sam and that he's you know progressing you know degressing maybe uh into kind of a dum-dum and they're laying into that and it's solidifying his character more um so he's able to be a little funnier with some of his lines uh or even surprise us with some of his lines like the civil war line um but you know i think that i don't know it's hard because i i the the stories are interesting right like the fact that he's uh, Going to be the first driver, you know. He, he's uh, getting his driver's license. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, we're going to go through that with Randy. We're going to go through that with Mark. Yeah. Uh, Grant, we haven't seen that yet, but um, I, I think it's only as interesting as it bounces off of the other actors. And and Jill Patricia Richardson gives the emotional through line to that episode. Um, or, well, I don't know, but my my retort for for Patricia Richardson is obviously family untied. The the one two punch of family unties and taps. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the series best performance. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> I mean, you're right. You're you're right. Brad didn't move us to tears this season, which is an unfair but is, thing is to that expect the, of him. Yeah, is that the the gauge, the needle at which we have to move? I don't know. Okay, well look, my I, I agree. My elevation of Brad is based largely in terms of improvement. He has uh improved so much from certainly last season alone. Uh, and that was impressive to me. But in terms of the most valuable, I mean, yeah, it. You might have me, Landon. I mean, I'll tell I, you, I don't know. I'll tell you this. My my inclination. I th- I think that Zachary Ty Bryan is an interesting choice. Thank you. And I think so too. But my my inclination to want to agree with you is only in that I want to do it out of variety's sake, not out of the the nature of what most valuable player means. Yes, of course. And we have to consider the rich tradition of the awards on this show and, and the effect that it has on the lives of the performers. Uh, well, look, I mean, if ever there was a reason to give it to someone twice, like Patricia Richardson clearly earned it with her performances in those two episodes. Yeah. She didn't win an Emmy for this, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So the least we could do is give her most valuable player. And, and also because there's an outside chance she might listen to this episode I think any I don't I think she's learned her lesson. Any established grunt head who is on home improvement, I feel like automatically has to get it. Um look, and I'm not just uh, no, but you're right. You make a really good point. Brad was an improvement uh whereas Jill was bringing uh uh Meryl Streep levels of performance to this sitcom and I yeah, I think that's deserving of our reward. You've debated, Landon, congratulations, you've won your second debate, which, as people will notice, isn't really a debate so much as just me listening to Landon's points, thinking about them, being like, well, I can argue for the rest of the afternoon about this until one of us gives out, but... (laughs) I mean, I feel like we're both quick to give out, uh, but I don't have a super hot apartment, We're we're quick to give out chalupas, uh, and uh, (laughs) also, my legs will be quick to give out, depending on uh, how much longer I'm on my feet. How much longer we go. Okay, well, we're, we're just about at the end here, so... Uh, I want to wrap up. We we chose Patricia Richardson as the the MVP Woo! of Grunt Work season six. Woo! Woo-hoo! Confetti, um, sweaty but confetti. 
as I've said many times, that pales in comparison to sweaty confetti. Yeah, that's, took a second to get I, I into know, my head. I know, I know. That's like <laughs> that's a, that that goes with mom's spaghetti, I suppose. Good God, this is what happens after the two-hour mark. People's Choice MVP. Uh, so we put this out on Twitter. Uh, this is more important than our choice for MVP because this is you choosing the listeners. Who do you choose as your MVP. Yes, that's it's good. You accurately described the situation. <laughs> Thank you. It's podcasting, <laughs> baby. Truman, we have an interesting uh, uh, smattering of votes this that's season. That's my favorite kind of smattering is an interesting one. An interesting one. I'm going to start from the bottom up. Um, the The winner might not be too surprising, but the in-betweeners are what's really perplexing to me. So we start with... Uh, a tie for the least amount of votes. Uh, one vote each for Zachary Ty Bryan. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. A smack in my goddamn face. Thanks for nothing, fans who are watching us. <laughs> and Earl Hinman <laughs> gets one vote. I mean, he, he has historically uh, voted uh, pretty high. Well, you know, coalitions are changing, electoral coalitions across this great nation. People are Fair. being shuffled into different camps of home improvement actors. I mean, and also he won last time, so there's not just as much voter enthusiasm because he's fresh off a of victory. Well, he won our MVP last time. The MVP of People's Choice last season was Patricia Richardson. Oh, yes, of course, of course. I remember so, that. So, um, Here's what also is shocking to me, because uh, he usually also polls very high. Coming in with only two votes is Tim Allen. Wow. Okay. Well, this is definitely either our fan base has started <laughs> internalizing our messages or our message has been so divisive that the only people who listen to the podcast and vote in our elections are people who don't like Tim Allen. More than likely the latter. This is, this is against um, the great sorting. <laughs> with the, the next... Uh, person up has more than all of the votes of the previous three people combined, wow. which is uh, we have a tie, a middle tie, uh, five votes each. Jonathan Taylor Thomas Ooh. coming in dead center wow. with Debbie Dunning. Wow. You know, I love that even outside the reality of the show, Debbie Dunning is one of the most popular people. Like she's more popular than <laughs> yeah. Tim, more popular than yeah. Jill and Randy. Like that's that's great. That's great. Never stop, never stopping. Then we have another tie oh. for uh second place. A lot of ties. A lot of ties. Who who in your memory is left in this uh in this race? Uh so let's see. Left in this race at this point, Richard Karn, Taryn Noah Smith, uh Wait, yeah, this is this is all this is all fucked up. Who's next? Tied for second with six votes apiece is Richard Karn and Taryn Noah Smith. That is uh, absolutely bizarre. As a massive helicopter flies over my uh, apartment, what? Wow, that's. Uh, I will. I'll admit to doing some. Listen, I wasn't. You were. You were contributing to campaign campaign finance. They didn't have their. They didn't run their own campaigns. Uh -huh. I might have put together a super PAC for Terrence. You Smith. were whipping votes. Uh, I saw you out there. You were whipping the votes, sir. I, I was, but you know, I don't. I don't have my finger on who they choose to elect. 
Uh, they they made the choice on their own volition, and Tara Noah Smith got six votes. Fucking out of that. House of Cards here, Landon, just walking around the halls of, of Twitter, talking to the camera about how he's, <laughs> you know, using barbecue to manipulate people into uh, voting the way he wants. Uh, okay, all right. So tied for second. So who does that leave for first? The one and only Patricia Richardson, as the two-time. People's Choice MVT. MVT. Well, three-time, uh, but reigning champion MVP. Mo- People's Choice MVP. A- MVT, Most Valuable Taylor. All right. <laughs> well, look, I mean, so so she won she she won our pick and the audience pick at the same time. Yeah, well, which I think is fitting. And it, uh, only one other person on the show holds that um, distinction. Jonathan Taylor Thomas in season four oh, won both. Okay, okay. I I love that we were completely in line with the audience. Well, eventually, I eventually came in line with the audience when you browbeat me into <laughs> taking your side. But uh, we were completely in line with the audience on that. But then Zachary Ty Bryan was their least favorite. Like the the one who was our clearly both of our second choice for the season. No, nope, not at all. No, I think Tara Noah Smith was my second one for yeah. the season. But I don't have any argument against yeah uh zary type yeah well uh, evidently most of our listeners do uh wow okay well <laughs> hey look you can, can, this is sweeter than any emmy is to have the award uh from both the hosts and the audience of grunt work for the most valuable player. go to you absolutely yes uh so thank you everyone who voted in our poll yeah, um you, if Richardson. anyone in the the chat uh in our live uh, chat booth is still uh, around or if you alive. haven't fallen asleep or, or have gotten too preoccupied with your uh, laundry or dishes. Um, we want to now open it up to um, everyone uh, for questions, uh, your thoughts about the season. Um, we'll just give you a, a few seconds to, to type some some thoughts, just, some answers, to- some questions for us, anything you got. Um, if not, we will completely edit this part out so we don't look like losers. Yep, just a few seconds of crushing silence. Total silence. <laughs> we, we got some activity. Someone's, someone's... Are you excited for these final two seasons? Truman, I'll let you go first. Yes, I am excited for these final two seasons because I think the show is on a really exciting trajectory off of uh, mm-hmm. where, where Six left us. And... Yeah, I think that season seven is going to start with a few clunker episodes because that always seems it. They take a second to kind of remember how to make a TV show after the summer hiatus. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But no, I think it's only like, yeah, I am. I'm ex- I am more excited for the final seasons now than I than I have been before, simply because before I figured that we would have seen the best of the show and then it would just be spiraling into inanity. But instead, I think that the show keeps getting better. And I think that we're uh, I don't think we've hit the peak yet. So I'm excited. I. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think seeing where we ended this season shows me the places that we can, the uncharted territories that we can go uh, for the final two seasons. I mean, especially, listen, I'm not going to keep banging this drum, but um, we haven't even explored Mark no, <laughs> almost ever no. in this show. So there's a whole character that is left unturned. And same with Heidi. Like, I think there are places that it can go. And I, I still know some of the episodes, the conceptual episodes that I remember from watching it um, on air, uh, we haven't got to yet. So um, I know we have some wild and wacky stuff to look forward to. Yeah, I'm uh, I, yeah, because I think I've long known that the show gets wild and wacky in the later seasons. I just and I assumed that it was getting wild and wacky in lieu of any good ideas or good scripting, but it seems like they have good right. ideas and good scripting now in uh, in quantities yeah. that were not there before. 
once they know the characters, they can kind of just have a shorthand and get to funnier and weirder places faster. Um, I will say that um, uh, the one thing that is in my head was what I lost my train of thought because I was watching the chat. The, the, the one thing um, that was in oh, your head I know what left it was. your head. It was, it was uh, as far as grunt work is concerned, I am excited to pick up the pace a little bit yes. and 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 uh, be able to have a more, um, be in more conversation with ourselves with uh, the episodes we're covering in a single season yeah. than taking a year to do it. So yeah. I think for season seven, we're going to be, um, we're going to be a little more on track uh, with a faster pace. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can step on the gas a bit. That's part of what was interesting about season six was at first going every other week and then both of us realizing, no, that's that's bad. That doesn't work. And then because of my vacation schedule over the summer, then doing like six episodes in in two weeks or something to bank a bunch of episodes quickly. So we went from doing it very slowly. Like we ate the first <laughs> half of the hamburger very slowly, and then we just shoved the second half into our face. <laughs> or a burrito, um, which is how I do it. Here's a, a question from Manbach. Uh, what happened to the recurring character... <laughs> Uh, Fraser. I, uh, you know, <laughs> Fraser. Uh, Fraser got a job offer. Uh, in San Francisco, in and uh, he so he was going to go there, but then he right before he moved <laughs> out, uh, he met this woman who he had a real connection with, who was going to Chicago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then Fraser moved to Chicago instead. But they are looking at rebooting Fraser on uh, on Paramount Network, so it'll be a lot more hilarious bits of him <laughs> correcting Landon's speech. Uh, except none of the original cast seems like it's going to yeah. be coming back, so it won't be Landon misspeaking and Fraser connect, uh, correcting him. Fraser would have and come in. And expect a lot of shameless plugs for Peacock uh, moving forward. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, also, when I said connect instead of correct, Fraser, had he still been living here, he would have jumped right in and cor- corrected me on that one. So <laughs> we were all pouring one out for Fraser. Uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I've I've tried to make a, a conscious effort to I, I, hasn't shown, but uh, slow down. I had one of my first girlfriends. As much as I trip over my words now, uh, I was really bad at it when I was a kid uh, and a teenager. One of my first girlfriends gave me the advice to say just slow down when you're talking. Smart. Uh, and so trust women. Made a. I've made a conscious effort to take that advice again as an adult um, so that I don't trip over my words as much. Uh, I don't know that it has been that successful, but could also be why Fraser has no longer been needed. Yeah, that's, you know, he, he, he Frasered himself right out of a job. My work, <laughs> my work here is done. Uh, Laren asks, are you planning on doing another podcast or project together when you finish with Home Improvement? Uh, I mean, I think now's as good a time as any to tell people, yeah, we are going to colonize Mars. Uh, it's not going to be, <laughs> but we are going to make a podcast about it. You got to do something up there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's, that's going to be a big thing. Us, us and our, our pal Elon are, uh, going to go up there and make the planet habitable in a way that this one is no longer. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about it for a very long time. Yes. We have kicked around a lot of ideas. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're still open to, you know, I I want to hear what people would like to hear. Um, you know, I've mentioned this on in the chat before, which is I, my only hesitation of doing another TV show 
um, is just not identifying myself, my identity, my personality, what I do creatively with a specific IP. Um, I've done that twice now in my life where I, first was with Adam Sandler and that's a whole other that's saga a whole other of podcast. Life. <laughs> that's a This American Life <laughs> I, I haven't episode. really, it, it's so traumatizing to me that I haven't even really gone into it on grunt work ever before. But um, so I, if we're going to do something, I would like it to be a little more open-ended, a little more uh, bring in other interests um, outside of uh, home improvement. So um. You know, we're, we're kicking around ideas like that, but I would love to hear what other listeners uh, would like to hear us do. Um, as as uh, Robert is saying here, he loves the bonus episode, so a movie podcast would be awesome. Uh, would be one hundred percent open to that. Um, if we if we can, there are a lot of them out there. If we can find the right angle for it, if we can find a way to swing two straight white dudes talking about movies they like that has not already been done. I I mean that's basically every podcast <laughs> I listen to is a movie podcast. Uh, um, yeah, and for for, and, uh, for me as someone who. Uh, has seven or eight different pieces of Cheers-related art in his house. I have no problem (laughs) hitching myself to a piece of uh, cultural property. So uh, it's really Landon's hang-up, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Laren also says that... um, uh... Her husband, who is a non-listener, good for um, him, is awaiting Galaxy Quest. Maybe we should have started with Galaxy Quest, uh, because when it comes up in the timeline, uh, he says he'll listen. It's such um, a good movie. I'm so excited. We should have hooked people with we, we should hooked people with Galaxy Quest uh, initially, no, and then no, make them wait. Um, slowly make them wait. watch them taper off. Yeah, <laughs> as we move through this podcast. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that the Academy Awards don't start with Best Picture. They put it at the end or almost the end, yeah. so you can watch Chadwick Boseman <laughs> lose in real time. Uh, uh, and Mason's also suggesting maybe do a show about sitcoms that cover certain themes or theories, uh, but not just a specific show. Um, I would love, you know, if, if there were enough content, you need to do some research on this, but there were enough content out there to just do Halloween episodes of sitcoms. I would be, I would be into that. I don't know how much Truman would be into that. No, I'd be into that. And actually I was looking on Disney plus or holiday episodes. I was looking on either Disney (laughs) plus or Peacock the other day, and they have compilations of the Halloween episodes for every show. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, or, oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Treehouse of Horrors. It's been a while since I've watched it. Oh man, there's at least 32 of those. (laughs) <laughs> okay well t- t- tbd tbd guys uh TBD. The, the, the biggest the biggest uh, thing is that we landon and i have like a million different ideas that we text back and forth about what the next podcast will be and then it's yeah you know then we think about them a little more and some of them rise to the top and others sink like stones <laughs> and some are to me I, I we've had a few that i'm like i want to listen to that but then thinking about the amount of work that Oof. goes into it um becomes a little uh untenable yeah. Uh, okay, Truman, uh, we're, I think, um, we are getting a little long here. Let's move into our final segment, uh, the, in the season long segments that everyone waits in, for. In my notes, this segment is just called grunt work because, oh boy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I gotta admit, I'm very nervous for this season's grunt count. Yeah. Uh, segment. Yep. This is the segment where we go through the actual grunt work of uh, our namesake. We figure out uh, Truman. Let me put this more accurately. Truman does all the grunt work of tallying the grunts that appear in the episodes. And so I'm going to ask you the question, Truman. I'll wager a guess when I can. Yes. Um, but let's let's get to it. Let's get down to the number of grunts 
that happen uh, throughout the season. So, first and foremost, yeah. hit me. What were the most amount of grunts we had in a single episode? Landon, I'm, gl- I'm um, glad you asked because that's an interesting answer. I I have I have a guess. Yes, what, what but this mean? is going completely off memory. Okay, and we, that's never done you wrong before. So let's let's keep <laughs> let's keep the hits coming. I don't know if that's even remotely true. My guess is eleven. Oh shit, dude! Not right, but so close to right. So oh. the answer is twelve. The most grunts that we got in any episode this season is twelve grunts. Compare that to seventy-seven. Yes. And granted, that was that was an outlier. It but, was it uh, was an outlier, but even then, there were like a standard episode in season one was like thirty sometimes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's, that's shocking to yes. me. Um, that, that's the most we got. Cause the next question, what's the least amount of grunts we had? Everybody, let's say it in unison. Zero. zero. But I think the more interesting question is how many zeros did we get? Okay. So a couple things. First, the most amount of grunts that we had this season came in the first episode of the season. Uh, oh, now. Well, he's on a fucking battleship. That doesn't make, you know, it's no, not too no, hard to understand. It's not too hard to understand at all. I completely agree with you. It makes perfect, perfect sense. Now, <laughs> last season, the most grunts that we had was eight, and that episode was Tanks for the Memories, where Tim goes to a military base and drives a tank yeah. around. So okay. when Tim I'm starting to see when Tim is on location with military equipment, that's when you get the <laughs> gruntiest episode. And that is some actual rhyme and reason that I'm starting to see in the way that this show operates. Okay. Do you think it's because I mean, because these are clearly real locations that he's going to and real armed forces people that are, you know, uh appearing in the episodes. Do you think it's I have to go put on the 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 tool man show for these people. Uh, I think it's more Tim like big engine go vroom vroom. And uh, they, there's no shortage of those on, on yeah. aircraft carriers and military bases. Fair, fair point. I, I mean, thank you for trying to find more, like more depth to it than that. But it's, I think it's really just, this is a situation right. where Tim is going to have the biggest response. Okay. Second question that you asked me, how many episodes with zero grunts this season? Yeah. There were 14 episodes where there were zero grunts. Last season, that's shocking. That is more than half of the episodes of the season. No grunts at all. Last season, there were five episodes with no grunts. Season four, seven episodes with no grunts. So we are on the march of not grunting. This is double the amount of episodes from the most amount of episodes we've previously had with zero grunts. That is shocking. All of my observations. I'm not going to lie. That number is... I mean, I know that I had to come up with a uh, mind-numbing number of grunt count hints in our newsletter for zero. Yes. Uh, I would not have guessed 14. It's, um, I, I mean, everything that I've been saying earlier in this episode about how we were just trending away from grunting and catchphrases altogether, it's, it, the fact that this is based on a comic persona known as the grunting man and there is so little grunting in the show now. I mean, a lot of grunting relative to I don't know, coach or something like that. But um yeah, yeah it's 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 very interesting. I think every season like every super spectacular for the past like 3 or 4 years, we've had some version of this conversation. It's like, well, all all, all us grunts, that's really interesting. Speaking of coach, yeah. uh, this uh, you remember when I pulled this out later or earlier? The, later, the earlier. Creative writing. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the creative writing thing I did in 1994. Yeah. Um, I also wrote uh, another show is coach. I like that. <laughs> um, 
to which my uh, teacher wrote, I love Coach and Home Improvement. They are two shows at which I laugh right out loud. That's a weird way to phrase um, that. But it is a weird way to phrase it, and it's a weird way to write it, because she wrote right with the word right. Oh, no. W-R-I-T-E. Oh, no. And Dan Quayle. Considering how snarky she gets in her comments throughout the rest of this book, uh, I want to point her to that and say, ma'am. Glass houses, ma'am. <laughs> Glass houses, ma'am. That's all it needs Glass to be said. spelling. Um, so here comes the next question, and I have to imagine this is really tricky for you. Uh, because it involves uh, math. The, the que- well, that, but also um, the question is, if we were to take all the grunts from all the episodes, yep. on average, how many grunts could one expect? Yep, 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 yep. And what is the median grunt? Now, in past seasons, we've done this with you factoring in and factoring out outliers. Yeah. Zero would typically be an outlier. Now it's it's there's no bottom outlier. Yeah. Yeah. I it's almost as if our highest is an outlier. So how do you approach that? Well, I I approach that um by uh well listen. In terms of your average and calculating that, uh, because this is yeah. the because this is the best home improvement podcast, and because I care about you more than any other podcast host does, <laughs> I calculated the average with both outliers and without outliers. Uh, for the okay. median, I did not calculate that without outliers because I guess I didn't know that I could do that because I'm not good at math. <laughs> uh, so our median grunt <laughs> is zero. Uh, I mean, I can try and calculate up. Let's see, one uh-huh. five five two. Yeah, I think our median grunt without outliers would be two uh but i can you know what i can tweet that out because i know that i I can do the math and tweet that out later because i know that that's in for the median grunt is by far i think the most juicy piece of of data that we put out there and i do want people to have it um but okay averages though do you want to talk about some fucking averages here people i do our average grunt per episode this season with outliers is 1.52 grunts per episode without outliers 2.36 2.36 grunts per episode. Now you compare that to last season when yeah. with outliers it was 2.61 grunts per episode or 3.23 without or season 4 okay. 3.46 grunts per episode with outliers 4.38 without. So I can see this bar chart already. It's it's, it's a really it's just, interesting it's just, just like well, it's going, solemn it's just, slowly. Yeah, it, What's that skiing sport? So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it, we it's an avalanche, basically, away from lots of grunts in an episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. so it no, it's a steady, it's a steady decline. Which I mean, I guess you could have gathered from how few grunts there have been in so many I would, of these episodes. Well, I mean, as we're going through it, uh, it's it's true. <laughs> uh, Mason, Mason, with the best, uh, with the best uh, comment ever, which is that seeing me standing and pacing back and forth while talking about numbers, I look like CNN election coverage right now. Um, you know, there were actually, there were actually more grunts, as you can see, in Maricopa County, Arizona this year than there were in 2016. I I have, I have gotten word that they want to open up that grunt count again. Uh, no, I, we're not, listen, we have more respect for our grunt, uh, grunt work listeners to put them through a recap. Yeah, certainly, certainly that. And also there's, uh, (laughs) yes, there is a lot of mail-in grunting in Wayne County because that's, because they're always putting up Tim's address on tool time. That's, that's exactly why. Uh, yeah. How, how do you do a mail-in grunt? Do you just write, uh, just write down on a little sheet of paper, uh, 
this and put it in an envelope. Uh, yeah, yeah, just write down uh, on a piece of paper. No, like Mason, <laughs> put it in an envelope and send it in. Like Mason is suggesting, you just you just hold open an envelope, grunt into it, and then and then just <laughs> slam that that shut. Put it in the mail. Uh, don't let anyone catch you though. That's like that's like anthrax. Well, okay, don't no. If you belch into an envelope and send that to someone, that you're just an Animal House character at that point. Oh God. Uh. Yeah, so uh, these numbers have have driven us insane, Truman. Uh, much again, much like the election, I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, which which whichever one of the dudes in front of a green screen was up for four straight days. So uh, yeah, so our averages are are plummeting. Uh, but then I think this brings us to our to our final our final question. Our final two questions. Yes. Oh. Who? Man, I almost don't want to ask, but I'm going to. Um, because I have to guess here. Yes. What is our end of season six grunt count? What is it, Landon? So just just of season six, what is the amount of grunts we've had? Yes. Total. Yes. Knowing that 14 zeros and one twelve, <laughs> and the average being 2.5. Yeah, Landon, that, that average is going to help you a lot. Uh, I don't, I can't imagine we broke 50. Smart. I'm going to guess. Oh, this even this even feels high. I don't have a lot of confidence in this question or this answer, but I'm going to give it anyway. I'm going to say 42. Dude, not bad. I mean, not correct, but um, you're 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 grunt whispering here. 38 for the season. You were off by four. This shit is like I feel like I've made this analogy before, but how how like. Uh, you know, in the past 10 years, they had a couple people go along Lewis and Clark's trail and, like, use a laser measure to, like, get the precise measurement of all of the distances that Lewis and Clark just estimated by eyeballing it in their journals. Yeah. And they found out at the end of it that they were off by a total of, like, half a mile. Like, you're like that. You're like the Lewis and Clark of grunting. You can just... I'll take that. And you know what? Lewis, Clark, L, C... It, it it's sense. it's right there, guys. Like the clues, <laughs> the clues are right in front of you. Hey, you know, make make your own decision. Teach the controversy. Um, thirty eight. We're brothers. Thirty eight. <laughs> Landon, I've long I've long thought that. Um, thirty eight. Okay, okay. Well, this is also going to play on my memory, <laughs> which is going to be embarrassing Memories as it was last season. All alone. Because the next question, which work. is, <laughs> with that number, with thirty eight. That brings our series grunt count up to, and it relies on me remembering what the series grunt count was at the end of season five. And, and Landon is historically better at remembering things we've done on this podcast than me, so w- let's see if he does. But not numbers. No, uh, no, but not numbers. No, no, never numbers. I know we've broken a thousand. Yes. I, I think we've broken even... If Okay, this is where I think our... We were at like one, 1,126 or something like that. Mm. Um, I can see by your face that's wrong, so... I'm going to adjust for that as much as I can. Listen to Landon's shout-out numbers based on my facial expressions. The best (laughs) podcast in the world. Is it very long? Yes, you bet. Uh, But adding only 38 to the low number that we had before, um, I'm going to say we are at 1,176. Well, I mean, 
Again, you're sort of in the neighborhood, not as much in the neighborhood. Like you were, you were one okay. house over last time. Now you're, now you're in a different cul-de-sac, but you can, you know, oh, but right. you're, the the pin that was dropped is is still nearby. So last season, our grunt count was one thousand sixty-six. Ten sixty-six, year of the Battle of Hastings. If you play the video game Crusader Kings three, uh, you can start in that year. These are interesting facts <laughs> I have about ten sixty-six. Uh, Unfortunately, I have no interesting facts about our current grunt count, which is 1,104. Bullshit year, nothing happened then, I suppose. Um, yeah, but so, it, again, it's crazy to look okay. at. So our, our season one grunt count was 359. Season two grunt count, 367. In the first two seasons, we had 726 grunts. Then season three. Wow. Ah, wow. So, okay, season two, 367 grunts. Season three. We have one-tenth... One the grunts of the season that we did from season one and yes, two. Yes, absolutely. No, it is it is a, a shocking decline. Our, our grunts are in free fall. Okay, but season Man. two, 367. Season three, 182. Season four, 90. It is getting halved every year. Season five, wow. 68. Season six, 38. So it might be reasonable to assume that we are in like 15 grunt territory next next season. Wow. Okay. Well, that that is something to keep tabs on, I, which is what we're th- here there's to only, do. <laughs> there's only so much we can say about it. And there's only so excited one can get about this stupid minuscule thing that we've built our entire lives around. But it is, it is some fucked up data. You know, I just, I, I mean, it's just I, what to me is so jarring uh, is that it's it's in contra- so much in contrast to what I assumed, having seen the show in its entirety growing up. Going into this podcast, I would not have even fathomed that that would be the case. Yeah. So it just every season it continues to shock me, and um, if it gets cut in half once more, I mean, I can guarantee at the season seven super spectacular, I will be just as shocked. I, I'm just wondering if the if the season eight super spectacular, which will be, I I don't even know what we're gonna do to, to close out the show. I'm just wondering if if the series finale for Home Improvement is going to have so many grunts in it that it that it suddenly leads to this bizarre <laughs> spike at the end of the season or the series. It could be, yeah. That will be that will be the solemn slalom. Solemn slalom and Gamora, uh, two cities that, as we can see here on the green screen, are being turned into pillars of salt by God. Uh, so back to you in the studio. Don't do sodomy. Um, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Breaking kayfabe. Do sodomy if you want to. It's a great thing. Um, oh, well, I'm not saying it's great, uh, which I say right as <laughs> I my girlfriend, girlfriend logs, logs in right when I'm getting to the sodomy content. Hey, hope you enjoyed Knott's Berry Farm. Um, so, uh, I think, but, but with that, now that we've, now that we've, uh, talked about the grunts and the sodomy, I yeah. think that we're, um, I mean, I, I, that, that brings, well, there's one thing I, I forgot with our, with our grunt count. Each season, I try to improve. Oh yes, with my grunt count or with my my grunt impression. Yes, which you've been and you've been practicing uh, every episode. I have been practicing every episode, but I'm historically bad at it when people are watching me. So, <laughs> okay, uh, everybody, turn around. Everybody, everybody. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put a little a little spice on this. Oh, God. <laughs> so cheesecloth, everybody. Uh, this is weird here we go here no i won't do that okay no um, i mean you can do it if you want i mean whatever makes you happy man it's your podcast i gotta i just have to get in touch with my inner primitive man oh yes right? yes that's you're, that's what they tell you that's what we learn you're iron so, johnning right now in front of us yeah 
<clears throat> so you got to get in touch with it. Okay, I got a picture in my mind. Okay, I'm walking in in the garage and I see the hot rod. The hot rod's there, uh, and I for some reason care about that. Uh, there's and, a calendar uh, <laughs> over your tool bench. Oh, calendar. there you go. Okay, okay no, yeah, hey, no. yeah. You're welcome, everybody. I'm getting him there. No, no, no. Don't put it like that. Okay. <laughs> And I've taken him out of there, folks. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I put right. a little too much English on that one. <clears throat> okay, that was pretty good. It wasn't as low and guttural, I think, as Tim gets. Uh, <clears throat> no, it's getting I worse. Mean, it's I, getting worse. Is, if, if you keep trying in response to what I'm saying, the last hour of our yeah. podcast will just be you grunting and, and me <laughs> critiquing you. America's next. That's going to be model. the entire last season of grunting. I, I, I'm so t- just every episode, I'm going to grunt every word. I, I say. I'm the Tyra Banks of grunting. I'm just sitting here judging you and telling you that you need to slay harder or something. <laughs> oh, Truman! Um, as we hit the three minute, three hour oh, mark, only let's end this episode. Minutes. Yes. Um, and I want to end this episode by thanking the people that make the show possible. Every listener that listens to us and participates on whatever level you can, I we love you. Thank you so much. Uh, wouldn't be worth doing this without you. Yes. Um, but we specifically want to thank our patrons, the people that uh, contribute uh, to help us keep the mics plugged in, uh, hosting costs, you know, keeping the people uh, with their baseball bats <laughs> Uh, away from our knees um, for our depths that need to be paid to the hosting servers. So thank you to all of our patrons. Um, We want to thank you. Jordan, uh, a new patron, by the way. Uh, Thank you, Jordan. Yes. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Ariana. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Laren. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Amber. Manbach, Mad Ups, thank you. (laughs) Farah. TJ. Mad, uh, Ma- Mason. Oh, come oh on. God, no, no better thanks. <laughs> he does live in Madison, uh, Mason. So No, in... he, he lives in Michigan. He lives okay, in Michigan. Yes, you get it. Yeah, Great Lakes States brothers. You understand it. Thank you, Tara. <laughs> Cheyenne. Uh, thank you, Kirsty. obviously, of course. And I'm sorry, Kirstie. Yes, also, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, and thank you, Spencer. Yes. Uh, seriously, without all of you guys helping us, um, we would probably give up on this crazy little project. Uh, that's not true. I'm, I'm too masochistic to give up on anything. So he, he is the, the, the whips and the ball gags in his apartment, folks. It's crazy. I I will say everyone first, genuinely thank you. Secondly, my friends and my family who don't listen to this show will sometimes talk to me about this show and say, oh, you're still doing that. Do, do people listen to it? And I can say, yes, we have a number of patrons who don't, who not only listen to the show, but pay us money for us to keep listening to the show. And they say, really? And I say, I know, it's wild. Um, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, we Landon and I spend a, a weirdly huge amount of time on this show. It is a labor of love, but you make that labor of love seem less ridiculous through your support and whether that's whether you're a patron or whether you're just a person listening to this or whether you're patricia richardson uh maybe maybe listening to her second ever grunt work episode and choosing this one she will never listen to a three-hour i i know i mean that 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 poor woman is uh she's got way too much time uh, no she has way too many things going on in her life to waste this much time hopefully her commute is not that bad uh yes so uh thank you to everyone really really appreciate it we've said that a thousand times um but you know grunt work is made possible by our patrons so uh if you enjoyed today's show and you want to help us create it uh consider becoming an official grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod where you can get access for only a dollar to our entire archive of gruntwork nights episodes only a dollar folks 
leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or or don't wherever you listen to podcasts because I'm I, Apple Podcasts has changed up their algorithms and how they present things. I don't think they're valuing the indie shows that really built the platform. Yeah. So Fuck uh, those wherever guys. you listen to. <laughs> um, podcast rate us uh, there because uh, it's the fastest easiest and freest way to support us and it goes a long way to help uh, new people find the show so uh, otherwise you can stop by to say hi to us on Twitter Instagram or our Discord channel uh, at GruntworkPod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com everybody's favorite bit. where you where you can find other information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next season, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, as we conclude season six, keep in mind that seven is heaven. Heaven.